Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about exotic primaries need some help. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now at SayNoToRage.com. Monday through Friday during the day, I'm streaming on YouTube. Uh, If you want to support directly, you can either click the Join button on YouTube or use SNTRPresents.com to become a patron. All those tiers are identical and can get you in the Discord, Discord perks, VIP for early access, and call-ins and if you're on youtube the easiest way to support me is hitting the subscribe button and the bell button that is actually free so thank you everybody who's here the daily streams have been really really great uh and so we were talking the other day about exotic primaries and why it's so hard to justify using an exotic primary and we started to come up with some suggestions that i thought were really really good that could really help add to their presence, especially in challenging content, endgame content. First, I do want to talk about champions. That is one of the number one requests I think we see from the community about champions and champion mods. I've, I've got videos and ideas about how champions and champion mods need to be taken further uh, than, they're, than they are right now. And so, but that's that's where we're going to start. Secondly, we're going to talk about their damage in the end game. How much damage does an exotic primary do in the end game? And then I want to end by asking, what about PvP? Because a lot of people are going to be like, are you crazy, Lono? Exotic primaries are fine uh, in PvP. They're crazy. They usually kind of run the meta. Uh, I do want to address that. But primarily, my thought here is in PvE and why it's very, very difficult to justify using exotic primaries in pve if you just go to uh your exotic primaries there's so many in here that are actually really really fun uh and and really enjoyable but but the 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 challenge is usually the, the power exchange let's just first talk about champions though okay mod slots for champions i believe is just a bare minimum i mean at a bare minimum we need a slot on here for the champion mods now it could be its own slot it could be its own new thing but the fact that exotic primaries can do literally nothing to the champions i think is a significant detriment to their presence they just get kind of bumped and i know a lot of people are going to be like well you can bypass you know a lot of the champions just use a sword that to me is selling champions short i want to see more dynamics in the combat i want to see champions have more presence and if i get my way then you know these these uh you know exotic primaries are just going to get absolutely left in the dust and that's not an answer anyway the answer to the lack of champion presence on exotic primaries is not to say we'll just bypass champions with you know double izanagis or swords like I don't think that that is is the solution. The other thing they could do is just give every single exotic primary, maybe even the secondaries, give them give them that uh, intrinsic you know there are some that have it intrinsically the you know the divinity would be uh the perfect example uh, ariana's vow is another it's just built in it's not necessarily a mod it's not even really changing the nature of the weapon but it's built in if you remember the symmetry was doing this uh like i guess by accident but the symmetry if you if you used it properly you could get the champion effect on it and then they disabled it now the fact that they disabled it on the symmetry gives me hope that they are working on a solution here. They're either going to open up a mod slot or they're going to go back through and they're going to add intrinsic champion uh, you know, abilities to these weapons because I mean, it's literally just down here in the intrinsic trait. 
they could comb through the, the, the you know the exotic user I'm sorry exotic gun base and say let's put some intrinsic ones on here um, or as someone in chat's even saying you could make champion mods slottable in armor instead of weapons I would be okay with that again I would want to see what kind of freedom you're going to give me so that maybe I could run multiples especially if they start putting champions in more content, which I like in, I really want to see them do that. So ground level, they got to be able to interact with champions. Let's talk about the second thing. And I think this is the really the most important thing that they could do with exotics, which is to actually buff them in certain thresholds of difficulty. This again would require more difficulty spectrum to be in the game, but we're going to use Nightfalls as an example. I think the minute you go into Legend or higher, the minute you're at cap, 1050 is cap for this season, the minute you're at cap, Encounters, or higher, you know, Legend Master, Grandmaster, I believe every time you go up in one of these, Exotic Primaries should be getting a damage buff. Why on earth would you do that? Well, right now, if you go into this endgame content, dealing with the ads becomes very frustrating. Your primaries start to feel extremely weak in endgame content. I think that would be okay if exotics were getting a buff, because suddenly now they have a purpose that they don't presently have. If I know I can go into Legend and slap on Huckleberry or Graviton Lance or something of that nature, and it's going to get a nice buff, that suddenly turns me into the ad-killing guy. You got three people, and one of them is saying, look, you guys can run that exotic for support, like Divinity, or you can run that exotic for damage, like the Xenophage. I'm going to run an exotic primary, because we got to have somebody to help with the ads. It's so frustrating. You know, maybe it's content where there's ads for far away. You know, I got their wire rifles, and you're going to go in with your Mita or your Vigilance Wing, or something like that. You're suddenly taking on a role, and I think what this would do is create three sort of distinct roles in really challenging or hard content where you're doing this. Bungie's creating this by simply buffing exotic primaries in challenging content. It would be a modifier, okay? And when you do that, I really think that would make people take on these roles. You'd have DPS, you'd have support, and then you'd have ad control. So, somebody's running Xenophage for DPS, this guy's running Divinity to help support with that, you know, with, with those with those instances where maybe a mini-boss or a boss shows up, and then this guy's running an exotic primary, and he's mowing down the trash ads. If you felt a significant difference, suddenly now exotic primaries can shine in a way they're not presently shining. If I'm going into a strike, it really doesn't matter. I don't have to maximize my loadout. I can run a Suros regime if I feel like it. Huckleberry, if I feel like it. It really starts to press on the player when you go into the harder content. This, I think, is a great reason why you would want to have Contest Modifier used for endgame difficulty. Right? Hard mode raid, hard mode dungeon, and you go in there and suddenly it's like, dude, I'm not kidding, run this exotic primary. It really, really helps with the ads. This contest modifier, this delta pain is really, really frustrating, but man, when you put on an exotic primary, you feel the difference, and that's where the power trade would make sense. I'm putting down my Xeno. I'm putting down 
my divinity and I'm gaining power for a particular pain point in the content. Believe me, if you've run that hardcore content at the end, a lot of the times I think people are avoiding the trash ads. They just end up face tanking in a well or a bubble because the trash ads are just, they're so slow to die and that time to kill really messes with combat rhythm. If you could start to reassert combat rhythm with an exotic primary buff, particularly again in that hard content, I think that'd be really, really good. All right. Now, lastly, let's talk about PvP. What about PvP, Lono? Are you kidding me? Exotic primaries, you know, they're they're generally meta-defining a lot of the times in Crucible over the years, and especially hand cannons. I'm 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 okay to to agree with that. I don't think the things I'm suggesting would affect PvP. If if all exotic primaries were given a buff in endgame content to give them legs against trash ads, that's not going to do anything to Trials, Crucible, Iron Banner. It's not going to do anything to those. I'm attacking it from a particular vantage point. If you think about The Last Word, The Thorn, Ace of Spades, Mida for a while there, The Vigi Wing, The Lord of Wolves, exotics tend to run amok in the Crucible, and then they get nerfed, right? Like, most of the things that I list, you know, Lord of Wolves isn't really a problem anymore, neither is Vigi Wing, Mida is always going to be a strong weapon. And then the other ones, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed bag. Thorn is probably the most consistent, I think, most you know balanced exotic primary in Crucible. I think it's I think it's in a good place. Ace of Spades and Last Word, kind of debatable. Yeah, Suro's regime is actually really really strong right now because auto rifles are just absurd. That is true. I forgot about that. But yeah, the Vigilance Wing. Yeah, the Vigi Wing. Like you know, those just tend to get nerfed because they kind of run away with it. That's why whenever I think about exotic primaries and I start railing against it, people always bring up PvP and I'm like, well, now hang on a second. I, I can never see running them in endgame content, but sure, you know, in PvP, they they run the show a lot of the time, and I don't think they really need help, unless you want to start balancing stuff. Like, I'm sure there might be right now some argumentation about you know, maybe there are some exotics in PvP that are problematic and causing issues. But by and large, exotic primaries in PvE, they have they're so underrepresented, right? They're so underrepresented. We need the champion mods on the exotics. We need some damage buffs for exotic primaries in endgame challenging content, especially when there's a delta and the, those trash ads are dying a lot slower. Those two things need to happen, or exotic primaries are always going to feel gimmicky and fun, but they're never going to feel like they have legs in the endgame, and I ultimately think that's a problem within the hierarchy of the loot. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, go to sayno2rage.com, get in here live, click subscribe, the bell button, or click join. All that supports me. And as always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that comes with my exotic primaries need some help video. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can catch me live at SayNoToRage.com. That brings you to the YouTube channel, and I am usually streaming Monday through Friday during the day. If you want to support me directly, sntrpresents.com will take you to the Patreon or click the join button on YouTube. Pick between the sub tiers, getting all the perks in Discord and supporting the channel directly. Maybe even get early access or take part in the call-in session if you're a VIP. We do those after Q&A. If you're YouTube, easiest way to support me is the bell button after clicking subscribe. That way that you will uh, um... That way you'll uh, you'll be able to um, 
know when I'm live and know when my videos go live. So, first question coming in from Surge. How does Bungie help exotic primaries without breaking PvP? Graviton Lance in year one, season three. So, this is why um, I try to always consider big picture. And that's why whenever I talked about this in my video, I decided to t- attack it in the end game. Um, in the end game. As opposed to attacking it from just a ground level buff. If you just do ground level buff, you you're going to run into problems because you're going to break PVP, you're going to you're going to potentially um, you know, break other content. So that's why I thought if you go into I said 1050 content or higher. So if the max if max levels 1050, anything at that difficulty or higher or even something with contest modifier turned on, all right? I would say in that environment is when you really, really want to see exotics get like a modifier to make them stronger. Exotic primaries, I should say, exotic primaries. And the reason for that is the higher up you go in power delta, the weaker and weaker your primaries start to feel. You start having a four and five tap an acolyte with a hand cannon and you're like, you know that pain in content combat rhythm. You're like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't kill this guy fast enough. And there's so many of them that it starts to become really unenjoyable. So th- that that's why I attacked it in the way that I did. It was like, no, 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 no. Just buff them in end game content, end game content specifically where there is a pretty significant power delta. And the reason, and the reason I'm doing that is because I think that's where you feel, you feel it the most. That's when you really start to get this sense that, man, my primaries suck. And as I said in the video, that creates three roles. You have one person running, you know, Xenophage for damage, and one person's running Divinity for support, and then you're running the Huckleberry for ad control. And believe me, you would feel a difference. You would. If suddenly you had an exotic primary that was significantly stronger than legendary primaries, now you are in what I call a fair power trade right now the power trade sucks you're like well let me take off my Xeno or my divinity and let me run Suro's regime that that power trade is garbage you're you're not gaining true power you're like oh it's just an exotic and most legendary primaries are going to do just as good of a job as the Suros but what you could do is you could create a clear difference between legendary primaries and exotic primaries when you start going into end game delta environments where suddenly your legendary primary doesn't feel that good anymore and this I think would create healthy roles and differences between what exotics people take into content so that's essentially what the idea was born out of is we were talking about how do you make exotic primaries viable in the end game how do you make them viable at all you really don't need to buff Suros regime in public space lost sectors or or strikes because that content you're not really having to min max for anyway it wouldn't break pvp if they buffed it in pve no it wouldn't I'm talking about a modifier, uh, Christian, a modifier. If you go into 1050 content and above, or any content that's delta or contest modifiers active, there would be a modifier that just buffs exotic primaries. So there's an incentive to actually run one. Because think about it, if you were running a nightfall with your buddy, and he could throw on an exotic primary and really help mow down the enemies, think about all of a sudden that, you know, let's say he's on Titan. And all of a sudden, 
the sweet business becomes god tier in the right environment. Why? If it gotten if it's getting buffed and it's shredding through the trash ads, your buddy can be like, "Well, I'll stay on Zeno and this guy over here will run uh he'll run he'll run Divinity, you run sweet business and throw on War Rig and all of a sudden you're the ad clearing machine and that would feel pretty awesome. You would be meeting a pain point, you would feel like you have a role in the content. Because right now, when you go into really, really challenging Delta content and there's lots of ads, what do you do? You just either avoid or face tank. You either stand in a well, use a bubble or a wall or like a barricade, or you avoid it entirely. You try to get around them by invis or something. So that's where the idea was largely born out of. Right? It was called small arms in Destiny 1. It was just primaries. In this case, you'd qualify it and you'd say exotic primaries. You'd call it exotic small arms. You know? Sweet business still mercs in PvP. I've, I'm telling you, I, anytime I played against sweet business in, in Crucible, the reason it kills me is because I get angry and I push it. <laughs> I push against people that are using it, and I lose because I'm like, I'm going to kill this idiot running sweet business, and I get melted. I think it's like a psychological game. You're like, this idiot's running you know, sweet business, and he shouldn't be, and then you push, and then you die. Wreck it. Exotic weapons need more champion abilities in general as a buff, but could they give energy type to primary exotic? Wouldn't affect PvP, but it could help more in PvE. Oh, you mean basically give them all like a, a solar, a solar arc or void burn? Um, I mean, they basically did that in D1 kind of, right? With like Age of Triumph, like they throw an element on. This feels like I'm trying to hit a home run and you're putting somebody on first base. This doesn't seem like it goes far enough. If just suddenly giving the sweet business void or solar or arc or suddenly giving the huckleberry void solar or arc isn't suddenly going to make it, you know, viable in the end game. Now, if there's if, if match game is on, sure, it would help, but you can run Osmosis, you know, on a primary and then have all three elements. Um, so I I I like the idea here, but I don't think this goes far enough. I want to go back to just you know primary, secondary, and heavy, like we had in D one, so I can have true elemental primaries again, because I don't believe elemental primaries are hurting anything. Uh, I don't think elemental primaries would affect anything in a, in a significant or negative way. And the reason I think that is because you can run something with osmosis right now and it doesn't break any of the content. It doesn't hurt anything. Um, it, you know, it, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, it's not like I go into content right now and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm running osmosis. This is, this is, this is so ridiculous. This is so, this is so easy now. It doesn't really tip the scales that much. So. Barrett. Is Destiny's boss encounter design one issue with exotic primaries? Destiny focuses on quick burst damage to kill bosses instead of move towards more fights that focus on DPS uptime uh, being more important. Um, yeah, I've also said a lot of the times that I would just, I think... I don't want every encounter to be like Oryx, but I do think Oryx needs to influence some of the boss encounters. Right? You gotta inf- I think you gotta influence some of the boss encounters with Oryx. He needs to have influence. I don't want copy-paste, like, every encounter is nothing but pure mechanics and there's no more DPS, you know, DPS phases anymore, because that's essentially what Oryx is. Oryx, there's no DPS. It's pure mechanics. You literally kill him with mechanics, you know, successful completion of mechanics. Um... 
I, that, you know, that's actually such a great example of a good DPS uptime fight is War Priest. If you finesse the fight, you get a longer DPS phase. If the guy holding the aura does a good job, you get a longer DPS phase. I like that. I like that. I like the idea of if you can finesse it, the, the, the damage phase is then longer. So you're not like, oh, you just got to dump everything into this guy. No, you can, you can spread it out a little bit more. That was one of my favorite things to do was to get three black spindle shots on Warpriest, switch to the machine gun, kill one ad, switch back. I love that. Including myself in the damage pool as the aura holder was something that I loved. Why? Well, because I'm finessing the fight. I'm not just standing in a well of radiance and uh, and <laughs> and dumping, you know, and dumping my grenade launcher in somebody's face. I think the Crown of Sorrow boss is one of the examples of how they could have, but they didn't like extending damage in that fight. Could have been really, really awesome. You know, the thing that is most frustrating in Destiny's gun state right now: the most efficient DPS is dependent on the time of the fight. If the fight is longer, then a certain time use this gun. If not, use another gun. It's so convoluted. Right, right. I, I also think if you require players to do things like killing light eater knights, slamming the plates at Axis, these are things that require awareness, movement, finesse. Like it's mechanical pain. It's not just like this stand here and unload all your heavy. So I do think, again, start applying pressure from the side is how I envision it. It's like, it's over here. It's this mechanical thing I have to do. And if I don't do it, we're going to be in trouble. Or if I do do it, then we have a longer phase or something. And you're pressing in. And then I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta spin this other plate. As opposed to what we do now is mechanic, mechanic, mechanic. Okay, DPS time. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, okay, good. This is going to be a two-phase. Satisfy mechanics and then unload on the boss. You know? I, I think with Garden, they got really, really close to a couple of things we wanted to see. The harpy boss is not just a big, dumb prop that stands there. The harpy goes shooting down the hallway. But if you're good, you're still going to melt. Right, you're going to you're going to throw on Whisper Izanagi's, you know, now it's probably a Xeno bake. Um and then the final boss is a really really short damage window, but if you run enhanced relay defender and position yourself properly, you can really maximize uh, damage. So I think they're close. I think Garden got really really close to a lot of the things we've talked about. The Scourge boss I still think the Scourge boss is probably the perfect boss fight in Destiny. Maybe all of Destiny, but at least in Destiny 2. It's the perfect boss fight. There's just the right amount of plates to spin. The boss is not a prop. He's moving. He's attacking you. He's got layered mechanics. I just think the Scourge fight is excellent. Somebody's running snipers. Somebody's reading the map. You got the team that's, you know, the berserker busting team. Somebody's got to manage the shield on the boss. Somebody's got to manage stunning the boss when he does one of his, you know, he has a variety of attacks that he does. Somebody's got to get in a tank. You got to stun him in the right area. You can maximize damage by being aware of these buffs and standing in the right area. You can finesse damage. The, I, I, the scourge fight is so, so freaking good. You know, and, and the scourge fight could be, could be even better with a hard mode. Because it does get pretty easy, right? You satisfy the mecha- mechanics and you literally bake him. Half his half his health is gone within seconds. You know, aren't you scared that things like three outbreaks could become strats and the only strat? 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. If they buff, oh, if they buff exotic primaries in the end game, yeah, maybe they'd have to adjust the outbreak so it doesn't affect, um, right? It would only affect its base damage. It wouldn't get stacked with the um, the the nanites wouldn't get a multiplier, you know. They'd have to be smart about how it applies to this gun in particular, because yeah, this gun, this gun gets pretty wild. Oh, this gun is just one of the best looking guns in the game. It's so good. I got every ornament for it because I love it so much. Then it'd never be used. Well, no, it would still be used, Brood, because it would still be used, and I'll tell you why. You would love it for ad clearing, but you wouldn't want to run three of them if it didn't get, like, an insane stack from all... You know what I'm saying? They'd have to be smart. Exotic primaries getting a buff in the end game would be great because then someone has a reason to run it but then if all three people run it it would have to have a cap of like the maximum amount of damage that it can do Greg Smith with $20 says uh, (laughs) more plate mechanics thanks for the 20 spot thanks for using super chat so next question Mav Monk in what way should Bungie introduce or reintroduce primaries in a more tasteful and engaging way should more EP BEPs similar to Malfeasance and Lumina make the table. I I always feel like Lumina and 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 and, uh, and Malfeasance. I just I feel the power exchange is bad. I don't know. I feel like the power exchange is bad. I get a benefit. The benefit is very specific, but it doesn't feel like it's good enough to equip it and run around with it. I don't know. When we would run Malfeasance in Gambit, and when I ran Lumina, and I was actually like healing my teammates, here's the problem. Here is the problem with supporting your teammates as a healer. There's a difference between like putting down a well or a bubble. I'm talking about like actively healing your teammates with Lumina. I think the biggest problem is player feedback. I can't really tell what kind of an impact I'm having. Am I am I annoying my team? I just keep shooting them. I keep you know what I'm saying? I keep I keep quote unquote healing them. I don't know. Am I doing anything? It doesn't feel like it. I feel like I'm playing kind of dumb. Like I keep shooting my teammates. Um And then and then the uh, the malfeasance. I don't know. The malfeasance anytime I use it, I was like I really don't think this is strong enough. There's other exotics I can run that are so much better at damage when the boss comes out. Um Especially now with exotics like Xeno and Divinity, uh, it just—it's it, really hard to be like, "Oh, I'm going to run Malf. I'm going to run Malfeasance." Um, you know, it doesn't suck when you stack. I just feel like there's other exotics the whole team can run that it's just so much more apparently helping and benefiting you. Like this comes down to player feedback as well right if I'm if we're all running Xeno it's like ching 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 and that boss is just going down 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 and then everybody's running mouth it's easier I think to be like oh no dude if we all run these exotics and just bake I feel like baking provides more immediate feedback to the player and so you're more prone to do it right YouTube is on August 3rd they're going to allow viewers to purchase a three or six month channel membership in one single payment. 
it's going to be a prepaid option on your end revenue will be monthly it'll look the same hey youtube doing more background updates to bring perks that we kind of expect from other platforms that's real close to gifteds you know i told you I was like, I think YouTube's got stuff. I think they're going to keep refining this this part of the platform. That's really good news. Um, so I think I feel like I've answered this question pretty well. Like I, I feel like some of this stuff is, um, you know, oh yeah, it's sticking out a little bit. That's okay. I'm not that worried about it. But thank you for telling me. Um, I could probably, uh, I can probably crop that down there is that better is it mess it it was messing with your ocd there you go (laughs) uh anyway yeah the the i i like the idea of there being you know guns like that that do real real particular things but i just feel like sometimes if it's that narrow if it's that narrow i really have a hard time using it and if i'm gonna do support or let's all run malfeasance I I feel like player feedback is 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 hugely important there. Right? It's hugely important or I'm not going to do it. There's just certain things in this game where you love it. Really quick reload, nanites, the glowing gun, firefly. You you see it and you're like, "Oh, it's awesome." It's hard to sometimes see the impact of something you're running and that's one of the reasons why certain things probably just don't get used. Was it too overpowered? I think Outbreak was was too overpowered. I mean, it left its lane only when six people were running it, and I think that's probably a pretty good check because not a lot of people are going to do that every time they run content. But it was it was a little absurd. Yes, Doge. One of the biggest problems with exotic primaries is that it competes for the exotic slot in heavies like Xeno and One K. How much would you buff legendary heavies so that they could be more usable for boss damage and allow us to use exotic primaries? I didn't mention this in the video, but this is a hundred percent part of the equation. And swords are in a great spot. And there was a while there where grenade launchers were in a great spot, and so you really felt empowered to take off exotic heavies. So I think that's an indication that Bungie should look at. That is something that they should look at. The minute people have swords, the minute people could run, you know, uh, grenade launchers. Suddenly, they weren't all running exotic heavies. So, rockets could use some love. You know, grenade launchers, you know, could maybe make 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 a little bit of a comeback. Machine guns. Xeno's like the only machine gun worth using for DPS phase. And I, I don't know. To me, like machine guns, people are like, oh, but it's a one-size-fits-all weapon. No, not necessarily. I know it's great for adds and majors and mini-bosses and bosses, and so they had to tone down its, you know, it's, they felt like they had to tone down the damage that it was doing to bosses. But like, machine guns, rocket launchers, and grenade launchers, bring them up a tick. Gr- rocket launchers especially, right? Thank you, Distorted Sama. But... This is part of the equation. We don't want to overswing here and make legendary heavies, you know, absurd. But, but I will say, I will say that the fact that the minute we have legendary heavies that are worth using, people start to try new things is an indication that Bungie should look at that and say, what else could we do to other legendary heavies? Raga launchers are in the garbage bin. Machine guns probably need a slight buff. Maybe grenade launchers need a slight buff. 
right? And if you do that, then you could probably um, you could probably start to see uh, a change, a change in in how things uh, you know sort of scale out as far as um, wh- like how much distribution of legendary heavies versus exotic heavies are there. Death blood. With exotic perks getting uh, more exotic again, how do you think old exotics, primarily primaries, have a chance to become relevant via reworks, or is their time up? Also, how can they issue, how can the issue of boring or useless perks on primaries be tackled? This is a bit of a separate lane. I didn't really go down this lane, and the reason I didn't is because there's so many, so many exotic primaries. So I will just give you. I'm. I'm a, I'll, I'll try to be generic here. Yes, I think some of the exotic primaries probably need to be retuned so they aren't so like who the frick's actually going to use this in crucible. Um, I'm sorry, in PVE, right? There are probably some that need to be looked at. Okay. But I didn't want to get down into the specifics. That feels like another subject. I was going big picture. How do you motivate people to use exotic primaries? Buff them only in the endgame. Buff them only when there's a significant power delta because then they are going to stand out and have a role potential, like a, like fulfilling a role, DPS, support, and then add control. There's a role potential if you just buff them in those particular environments. That doesn't ruin the crucible. That doesn't suddenly make the guns too overpowered and too one-size-fits-all. It's a specific environment where they're suddenly able to do a particular thing. Right? Just a damage buff in the endgame would probably make a lot of these primaries way, way better than we think they are. Like, just a handful that we know that are already pretty good. Risk Runner, Sunshot, Graviton, Hardlight would all suddenly become god tier if they were really, really good at clearing ads in the endgame from an exotic small arms buff, right? And and if when you look at the kinetics, there's probably some there too. Yeah, Tommy's matchbook would probably suddenly become very, very good in certain environments. So... As far as specific primaries in PVE needing like a tu- like tuning them, um, you know, I don't want to go down that road. I think it's too hard to know specifically how they could make, you know, how are you going to make the Jade Rabbit worth using in PVE? I have no idea. I really don't. I love that ornament though. So... By the way, if you're here right now and you enjoy this content, an easy way to support me, there's three things you can do that are free. Click subscribe, click the bell button, and then click like on this video. If you want to pay to support me, click the join button or type exclamation point join. Pick one of the tiers. You can do it on Patreon or YouTube, and that gives you emotes, perks in the Discord, all the good things. So thank you so much for being here. If you're listening elsewhere, you can do that on YouTube or go to sntrpresents.com if you'd rather go through Patreon. Techno Tyrant. Would just adding champion mods really affect how much primary exotics are used? Champion mods on exotics won't really matter to someone that doesn't experience that pain point. This is actually a good question because if I'm going to go into environments where there's only a handful of champions, that's not enough. That's not enough. But... If Bungie starts to put champions in more places, while also empowering us to have more control over champion, like uh, like the champion mods, 
let me run two let me run anti-barrier and overload and let me switch between the two by holding down x you know let me run two maybe i can run one on my armor and run one on the gun and then the gun gets to do both right if you empower me to have more freedom and 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 more sense of like oh i'm gonna run multiple champion mods i'm gonna be more in control over what's going on then bungie is well within their right to put champions in a lot more places okay now if they do that suddenly letting exotic primaries run champion mods is still not enough because they're still going to be equal to legendaries and when you go into hard content you're not going to take that power exchange you're going to run xeno you're going to run divinity you're going to run 1k you're not you're never ever going to make that power exchange the only way someone walks into the end game and makes that power exchange of shelving a heavy or an energy exotic and getting out an exotic primary only way they're doing that is if, if exotic primaries are buffed in the end game that's it it just seems nonsensical. Nah, dude, I'm gonna put away Divinity 1K, uh, you know, Xenophage. I'm gonna run the Huckleberry. Why? I just really like it. Okay, it's 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 not really gonna kill anything any faster than probably the Breakneck. Your ad efficiency is marginally different, maybe? I don't even know if you could measure it. You know? And you're putting away something like Xeno, something like something like Divinity, something like the 1K voices that outputs so much damage. Even the ruinous effigy has has potential. You know? Thank you, do works. Shaders on them would be nice too. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't gonna ask for too much. <laughs> it's like when you ask for too much for Christmas, you're worried that you're gonna get nothing. It's like I, I didn't want to ask for too much. Yeah, putting shaders on exotics would be pretty nice too. Because you can do it to uh, the you can do it to armor, you know. Uh, do you think exotics? Next question from Clap for you. Do you think exotics even belong in the primary slot, especially if elemental primaries come back next year? Well, I mean, they can belong, but you have to give them footing, right? I just I don't think they have footing for all the reasons spelled out. So sure. Here's another potential threat to exotic primaries we haven't even talked about. I wonder if anybody can guess what I'm going to say. Alright, in light of sunsetting, okay, in light of sunsetting, what, what is another potential threat to exotics being viable? Upper echelon gear, top tier gear. If I'm going to be running trials or raids and getting adept weapons truly best in class standout weapons because of sunsetting that's another threat to exotic primaries they're going to get edged out even more oh dude this auto rifle or hand cannon from the raid is awesome it's nasty it's adept it's whatever it's got extra perks it's best in class you just edged out exotic primaries again you just edged them out again Right now they're edged out in general because of champion mods not really being that strong, blah, blah, blah. List all those reasons. They're going to get edged out again if I can run the raid or trials and get, you know, legendary primaries that are in another, at another level, like a recluse. If you can run a recluse, pre-nerf recluse, are you ever going to run Huggleberry? Are you ever going to run Suros Regime? No. Why? Because it's, recluse is legendary. Are you ever going to unseat your you know, your, uh, even Ikelos shotgun, I would consider to be a best in class adept shotgun. We, are you ever going to put that away and get out a leg, an exotic shotgun? No. 
Absolutely not. Overshadowing or availability? Yeah. Exotic perks need to be redistributed to pinnacle activity gear perks and reimagined altogether. Yeah, I mean, you could go way back. One of my other solutions I, I put forth maybe a year ago was to turn a lot of these into legendaries and put them in raids and stuff. Like, make Graviton Lance basically a legendary weapon and throw it in a raid. And boom. Or or just repurpose cosmology and throw it on an adept weapon. And Because, and, you know, that's another thing they could do with a lot of these exotic primaries. You need raid gear? No problem. Take Sunshot, Graviton Lance, you know, and start turning them into legendaries. You know? Because they're not truly exotic. When you start really comparing exotics, exotic heavies and exotic primaries are just, there's no competition whatsoever. Agent Atwood. Due to the recent recoil nerf, do you believe that Ace of Spades should be taken back into consideration due to it being nowhere near as good as it used to be? If so, how can this be fixed? See, in my video, I didn't get this specific because this is not the this is not my uh, this is not my my basketball court, you know. This is not my basketball court. I I don't really have a, a good answer here. I don't really know what they could or couldn't do to Ace in light of recoil changes. Um, I just, I just don't know. I, when I look when I look at weapons and get that specific I gotta use it a lot of the times I have to watch commentary from uh, PvP elites to get a firm grasp on what's really going on so unfortunately I don't have a great answer for you here um, I really don't Ace has always been such a great gun but I don't I don't I don't have a, a substantive answer to you know what could they do to fix it is is it is it in need of being fixed has it been hurt that bad you know these are all questions that I don't have you know I don't have a firm position on it so ADJC what could they do to make weapons like primary special heavy more viable for endgame without nerfing them into oblivion well I mean this was essentially answered in the video and these are these are questions to get submitted ahead of time so if you guys are going to take advantage of VIP and the discord and submit questions early you're going to you're going to need to maybe try and avoid really broad questions like this because they're likely going to get answered in the video and you know 10 questions in it's probably already been answered so I'll take it from the nerfing aspect I'll try and answer your question another way you don't need to nerf them into oblivion if it's a modifier if it's a modifier in challenging endgame content or contest modifier endgame content if it's a modifier then there's no risk of like oh yeah we gotta nerf that holy moly uh, the sweet business is broken no you could just affect the modifier. You could just affect the way the modifier hits certain weapons or something like that. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I I think this is a great way to avoiding nerfs. If you think of the way that they did the artifact, the artifact has added crazy strength in builds, and then they go away, and so Bungie doesn't have to worry about nerfing our build. The mod just goes away. Or... Maybe they could nerf Oppressive Darkness. Well, they're not nerfing your armor or an exotic or a gun. They're just saying, eh, Oppressive Darkness is a little too strong. We're going to tone that one down next season. 
This is why I don't attack the weapons directly. I try to buff them indirectly so that Bungie's not caught in a quandary of like, oh, we overbuffed, now we got a nerf. Anytime you buff something and then have to kind of walk it back, that's really, really frustrating for the players. They're like, leave my such and such gun alone. But if Bungie's like, hey, exotic small arms, eh, we swung a little too hard on that. We're going to lower that just a touch. Your weapons, most of your weapons should not feel um, a change, but a handful that we're kind of breaking out might feel um, a little bit more reined in. And I don't think people would be as upset as them having to release patch notes where like, well, we had to nerf the sweet business because when we buffed it, we overswung. Does that make sense? I think it's different. I think we think about it differently as players. I think it touches, you know, it touches down on the player, you know, the psychology of the player uh, is very is affected very differently. I think the Malfeasance has got to be one of the prettiest weapons they've ever designed. It's right up there with just the beauty of like the Thorn, Sleeper, and Outbreak. The Malfeasance is just such a great canvas. Even the ornaments, just what a great canvas of a weapon. The art department just nailed it. LL Brood. How will your solution solve me always picking an ex- a heavy exotic and endgame content? Exotics are, uh, exotics are now unique, not rampage powerful. Nowadays, legendaries are a lot more powerful than exotics. I don't even have to use an exotic. Yeah, we touched on this just a moment ago that the problem is going to get worse. If Bungie has zero plans for exotic primaries come September, once people start running raids, if they do their job and they make the raid gear truly special, then... Yeah. <laughs> You're, as we just said a moment ago, problem's going to get worse. You know? To clarify, I and my fire team can use a sniper last open Xeno and get the job much easier than somebody using an exotic primary. Right, but Brood, LL Brood, if I put you into an environment with Contest Modifier where you're seeing swords or Grandmaster Nightfalls where you're under-leveled, you're under the Delta, and you know that you can pull out your your graviton lance and it's going to be ridiculously strong and really help with ad management as i said if you got somebody running ads somebody running support and somebody running xeno so xeno divinity graviton lance that feels like a pretty balanced team and trust me when you got one person shredding trash ads and grandmaster content you're you're going to really really consider that going forward with respect to you know the build, the, the builds, and the team comp going into content. I think you would really, really consider it. You know, in that case, how big would the buff need to be, or how big would it be? Let me state it this way: so when I go in right now and I'm at level, okay, and I'm killing trash ads at level, that's what an exotic primary should feel like in endgame content. It should feel that strong at level. One two tapping, one two tapping, one two tapping instead of four five, four five, like four or five shots on a trash ad really slows down combat rhythm. It really makes you kind of like pucker up and face tank. If if it feels like it's at level, then I think it would work. If the buff would be pretty big, then people can pick the best of the best and only stick with the best. But you wouldn't want to gut your team comp. Oh, well then, Lono, everybody's going to run Graviton. Everybody's going to run Sunshot or whatever. No, you don't want to sacrifice everything. You don't want to get rid of your Xeno and your Divinity. Right? How do they balance the buff in PvP? Because it would only be an endgame. 
What if there was a PvE weapon mod to buff only exotic primaries? You might, maybe you weren't here, Sven. I literally said it would be a modifier. If you remember small arms from uh, Destiny 1 buffing primaries, it'd be like exotic small arms. Exotic primaries would be buffed when you play Grandmaster Nightfalls or Nightfalls or Contest Modifier or Raids or Dungeons. Again, we need a return of hard content. Oh, you just arrived? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you missed the video. Yeah. In the video, I'm like, it. this is how you keep PvP safe. You do it indirectly as a modifier. If I'm running a Nightfall at 1050 or higher, or a hard mode dungeon or a hard mode raid, boom. Exotic, exotic small arms is automatically turned on to create room for exotics in the endgame. This would be mostly for ad clearing, not necessarily DPS. It'd be someone else's role. Exactly. DPS support ad control. You know? And trust me, when you go into content and you're suddenly able to kill ads a lot quicker, I don't know. I think people would get behind that. You know, it really, really would. I think people would get behind it. Gilly into Mist says, Do you think that the changing endgame content to focus less on DPS and more on mechanics to win could incentivize using non-DPS loadouts? We talked about this a little bit ago about, like, allowing Oryx to influence more encounters. I don't want to fight encounters like Oryx literally everywhere, but I think Oryx could have influence. He Like, this idea of, like, Basically, this is this is what I always say. The Light Eater Knights in Oryx, right? The difference between normal hard and the Light Eater Knights is like the quintessential way to increase pain. It's mechanical pain. It's not solved with the Galahorn. It's not solved with a <coughs> meta exotic. It isn't. Some people would use a thousand yard stare. I actually liked running uh, Black Spindle in Oryx. I just got comfortable with it. I got comfortable taking those Light Eater Knights out with it. Right? So there was no meta exotic for Oryx. Now, people are like, oh, you should be running Touch of Malice. No, you didn't need Touch of Malice. Your Relic Runner needed it just because it you know, keep Oryx's chest open. That was actually pretty nice. But in ge- well, And it was also good for, for Ogres if you did the, the Blessing and the Weapons Bubble up top. But we quickly learned, like, you could do a Weapons Bubble only and then run Sleeper or Rockets. You know, um, having PTSD from the no night strat. Oh my gosh. I can't believe people wanted to run that. That was so terrible. Um, wasn't the dark Souls segment of orc secondly, a DPS phase or a check. It wasn't, it wasn't. Eventually we learned that as long as you had one person shooting a, uh, a touch of malice and everybody else just kind of shooting, it wasn't really a DPS check. Initially, it felt like a DPS check because we were all really, really weak and a lot of people didn't understand. They didn't understand it. Huntress of Darkness. What's your opinion on buffing exotic primaries when Beyond Light arrives? Slotting mods into legendary weapons or should they be obsolete like scout rifles? Um, I basically have already answered this question on how I think they should do it and the reason I set it up this way is because if they just do what you're asking, it could it could really, really hurt PvP. You know? How many t-shirts do you have? Way too many. Is this one? This is a Tony Stark one. Yeah, I have way too many. <laughs> way too many. I was, I'm glad, I'm glad though, being in the new house, I actually have a closet now and a great, like a great place for all my shirts to be. So I'm slowly working through and trying to wear all of my shirts. 
<laughs> NA Painter. Because of the non-necessity to use the best stuff, like Hot Swap, Xeno, in normal or casual, could we see exotic primaries gain a blanket buff in harder activities? Yeah, this is, I I think you were here the day we discussed this. So you're saying Nightfall 10, Raid 15, Raid Race 25. Yeah, so this is, you're, you're pulling this from chat, and so we're both taking the idea, and I made a video about it, and now your question is essentially the suggestion. So that's essentially where my video went, is only buff them in endgame. Yeah. Xlandrel. Should Bungie remove all of the least used exotic primaries and bring them back for future seasons with changes? This would be a way to update them and have them be in seasons with full of content, not taking away from normal content. They've got a couple options. Yeah. You did when? We were discussing it like last week, I think, and it sparked the idea for the video. Like I literally pulled out my phone and I opened up Notepad and this was the note I gave myself. How to fix exotic primaries. I said, massive buff ad killing role in endgame is my note here. And then I also said champion slot. Yeah, you must not have been here. Great minds think alike then. So my 10 minute video basically has that in the video. I just, you weren't here an hour ago when I recorded it. Um, It's fine. It's totally fine. You guys with VIP submit your questions early. It's a blessing and a curse. You get to submit early. And so you're one of the first people that gets in there. But sometimes you're going to ask a question that may be covered in the video itself. It's fine. Um, now taking them away and then bringing them back I don't see a reason to take them away you could just say hey in this season we buffed a handful of exotics and here's how we did it you don't necessarily need to take them away or or you could really spruce up some raids with a legendary graviton lance that can drop from the final boss you know every encounter could get like a reimagined exotic but it's a legendary maybe that's how they give us some of our adept best in class standout weapons you know you could really really beef up some raid loot pools in the new raids new dungeons new grandmaster nightfalls by suddenly being like here's a legendary sweet business what yeah it's uh it's, it's basically it's an adept it's been toned down a little bit, but now you can run it and not mess up your build. Oh, that sounds awesome, right? Lore Logic with a tier one subscription of tier one membership. If you guys want to get the emotes and the Discord perks, click join or type exclamation point join as Lore Logic just did. So, now here's the only reason I don't think this goes far enough. I don't think this goes far enough. A lot of exotic primaries would still get just left in the dust, right? Exotic primaries, a lot of them would still get left in the dust, and they'd and they'd get under, they'd get on, they wouldn't get used. Um. And so, I I tried to with my suggestion, I tried to come up with something that would suddenly say, in endgame content, when survival, damage, ad management, and all this suddenly becomes important suddenly exotic primaries have a role in the game and they don't presently have it they don't you know what I mean yeah a lot of people have said they like it over here on YouTube more and I, I uh, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you and the quality is higher now we're streaming at 1080 it's like really crispy um, so exotic heavies are for damage and, and, and energy energy exotics tend to be for support whether you run, you know, Telesto or Coldheart or, or Prometheus Lens or the 
uh, the Ariana's Vow or the Divinity, right? And then exotic primaries, they don't really have a role in the game. Other than being super strong in PvP and getting nerfed. (laughs) They're strong in PvP and then they get nerfed, right? So they could be given a role. And that's how you do it. You buff them in the endgame. You know what I mean? By the way, if you guys like this show and it's kind of like an interactive podcast, if there are times in the day where you can't get on YouTube, if you're a tier one member, either on Patreon or YouTube, we have a room, uh, a voice chat set up in Discord. There's about 10 people right now listening to me as basically audio only podcast option that you get as a supporter. Um, And we offer that to you. So if you, if you can't get access to YouTube, whether you're driving or at work or something, the Discord's there as an audio option for you. So, and if you do VIP, if you do a VIP support on Patreon or YouTube, you can join on a call-in session that we do after Q&A. So if you're here right now and you want to call in with a follow-up comment or question or remark, become a VIP and then get ready because we'll do that after Q&A. Um, plunder plunder your booty i have to read your your name that way it's in the contract should exotic primaries be balanced differently in pve and pvp for example an exotic auto like suros would have much higher crit multiplier in pve content versus its legendary counterparts um hey it's zen i haven't seen you in chat in a while uh maybe you've just been here lurking i like seeing the little blue the little blue mod gear yeah, I mean, this is another way to attack it, to, like, buff them, just blanket buff exotic primaries in PvE, not in PvP, but in PvE, just give them a blanket buff. I I don't have a problem with this either. This might be a simpler solution. I feel like the modifier is a better solution because they don't have to do each individual weapon. They just do the modifier, and it's only in challenging content, right? I, I would be okay with a blanket pve buff for all exotic primaries so they do outshine legendaries i'd be okay with that they also need the um they also need the champion mod update right they need the champion mod update or they're going to continue to fall by the wayside this is another decent solution for the problem that's awaiting us in september is that best in class adept weaponry will continue to outclass exotics and that's a potential problem box of nades clicking the join button thank you for doing that 14 new members today i think we get like 11 more 12 more we unlock another emote we unlocked one emote today already thank you for clicking the join button box of nades so this is another way to attack it the reason i like the modifier is because if they overswing, as i said a little bit ago they don't have to walk it back oops we buffed the, the the Graviton a little too much, and then they have to like walk back the buff, and then everybody's angry. But if the modifier's a little bit too strong, you know, no join on mobile, uh, exclamation point join should help if you're on mobile and can't see the join button. We have a command um, for it. Based on impulse, um, based on impulse, might have been asked already, but I'm late to asking my question. What would you think about making elemental primaries only available on exotics, similar to what they did in uh, raid weapons in D1? I would consider this a tack on, like tack this on to my suggestion, and be like, yeah, sure, why not? But then I'm going to be like, now hang on a minute. Can't we just have le- like like regular old elemental primaries again? Osmosis didn't break the end game. Just give us elemental primaries yo zen click the button there it is tier one thanks zen right 
like ex- elemental primaries are not a threat to anything and if every primary in the game has an element that's really really helpful for uh, archetypal vacancies if this brand new 150 hand cannon can roll arc solar or void that has a lot of capital now I need to get three versions of the gun now I don't have to worry about archetypal vacancies if you add three or four hand cannons and then they, they can all get elements you've filled in a lot of potential vacancies in the loot pool but when you're like here's a 150 hand cannon and you're like sweet but now I need a 150 for arc and solar and void you know Ryan Gendron clicking the join button. Welcome to the Rageless Tier 1. Enjoy the emotes and the Discord perks. This is Slippery Slope. How you avoid best in slot? You cannot avoid best in slot. Best in slot is not the devil. It isn't. Loot hierarchy is okay. It's allowed. There being a hand cannon in a raid or a dungeon or an auto rifle in a raid dungeon or trials that becomes one of the best or the best auto rifle to use is totally fine. It is. It's totally fine. It's going to happen anyway. Rain the dark. Good morning, Lono. You've stated before that exotic primaries should leave their lane, but that's been a struggle since D2 Vanilla. How can Bungie make something like the Sunshot, for example, leave their lane? So... I think my solution does this in a zoomed out way. Instead of going to each individual specific weapon, like, all right, how do we make Sunshot leave its lane? How? Buffing an exotic primary only in endgame content does that. You know what I mean? It automatically does that. Dude, this is tough. We're seeing swords the whole time. We need somebody on ad control. Oh, dude, Sunshot will be great here. Oh, yeah. There's a solar modifier on. Kaboom, 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 kaboom. And boy, oh boy, having one person on your team doing that is super nice. Right now, when you're running content and somebody struts in the room with the guillotine and starts sorting up a major or sorting up a boss, that feels really nice to have that guy on your team, doesn't it? You're like, yeah, this guy's doing work. It's awesome. You would feel the same sense of... We have a really well-rounded team right now because, man, I'm just seeing all these ads that were so pesky and slow to die. They're just getting popped by Sunshot or Graviton or whatever. It really is. It really is a great solution. And I didn't really come up with it. I didn't. It was a mixed... It was sort of a mixture of, of, of input. Light Leap started talking about how primaries feel silly, silly weak in Endgame... And we started talking about, well, that would make me use an exotic in the endgame if an exotic primary was significantly stronger than legendary primaries specific to the endgame. Because that's really where you're like, man, my my dire promise feels like crap right now. It's just, it's too slow. All of its, all of its panache and all of its strength and rhythm just kind of goes into the toilet the minute I see, you know, swords or skulls. Uh, another tier one member, Gon407. Thanks for clicking join. Enjoy the emotes and the perks. Getting closer to another emote unlock, guys. Thank you so much. Um, having this upgrade for endgame content would make getting the catalyst so much more worth it. For example, Suros with the auto healing often would make things a lot easier. Do you see? It's a really, really good. I. It's an idea that that drapes over a lot of things. I, and I think you're touching on another thing that it would help with. Sushi says, Sweet Business is the best exotic primary. Do you agree? And if not, then why are you a hater? 
<laughs> Sushi, you are so dumb. You are so dumb. We're le- we're letting we're being a little bit more relaxed with Q and A because these are um these are paying supporters. So I'm being a little bit more relaxed. I'm also in a little bit of a different headspace now. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, I've learned through my therapy that I am very uh, self-absorbed and we're working on that in like our marriage and I'm working on it in my content. Like I'm trying not to be self-absorbed and so the content's not all about me and so a a joke question's not a threat. (laughs) Also, I'm not streaming to 3,000 people on Twitch with a 60 question backlog. So there's there's some, we're in a little bit of a better headspace now. (laughs) Um... Silk in the wind. Thank you for pushing the join button and becoming a rageous tier one. You know, uh, sweet business is not the best exotic primary in the game. You're wrong. <laughs> I'll fight you on that. I will. Sushi's not even here. Ash and hollow would making specials and heavy being able to use the artifact mods help primaries at all. Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, you want to offload the champion? No. No, because if I offload champion duty to a, a special... Oh, no, 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 no. Hang on. Now I understand your question. Legendary specials and legendary heavies being able to use the artifact mods, would that help? A little bit. Right? A little bit. Um, I would say that this could be seen in swords last season where swords were not only strong from a buff but they had the overload mod that you could run and that was dope right and it did it freed you up a little bit so if i could run a legendary machine gun that could also run overload or anti-barrier and if machine guns were you know better at, at boss damage bring back some of their boss damage then uh yeah I think that might actually help me run an exotic primary. Maybe I'd probably just run divinity. (laughs) I would probably just run the divinity. uh, If I'm honest, you know, I'd run anti-barrier on the machine gun. I'd have divinity for overload. And then that helps with damage. And then I could run unstoppable on a hand cannon. Boom. All three, you know, ship it. I think there might be, there might be room there as well. You know, there might be room there. I want Malfeasance Catalyst. <laughs> Swords Anti-Barrier. Was it Anti-Barrier? I thought it was Overload. Wasn't last season Overload on Swords? Or are you saying you'd like to see Anti-Barrier on so- Swords? Um, yeah. I think this, this would be another angle to attack it. Or maybe this would be another angle to do to well round, to make the game feel more well-rounded. Swords were Overload? Okay. And make the game feel more well-rounded. Uh, Quad says, How much bandwidth are you happy with being spent on combing over the more useless exotics to make them good, or should that energy be focused on moving forward uh, and making better exotics? See, this is why I like... Uh, people are like, this guy's arrogant. But this is why I like my solution. It doesn't require a retooling. Graviton Lance, Sunshot, Risk Risk Runner, Hard Light, um... What what else? What else? Sweet business, Huckleberry, Suros, you know the, the outbreak, juju, bad juju. These weapons, from a design standpoint, are fine. They're fine. 
You don't need to come over each individual one. If you give them a buff in the end game, then suddenly, yeah, <laughs> my Suros feels pretty dope right now in this contest modifier hard mode version of the raid or the dungeon or whatever. Yeah, I'm on ad duty. I have to stand here and defend my buddy and shoot all the ads. And I, it's very, very, it feels a lot better with an exotic at my side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Thorn. Oh my gosh, Thorn would be incredible if it got an endgame exotic small arms buff. It would be incredible. But it would be the game would naturally have equilibrium because you wouldn't want to run into an encounter and have everybody running Thorn or everybody running an exotic primary. Why? You would apply enough pain on damage phases, majors, mini bosses, or the boss himself, and you'd be like. We need somebody, we need some of you guys to run Xeno or 1K or Divinity or or Whisper or for the love of Frick, wake the sleeper, bring the sleeper back. Like you the game would naturally balance itself out in those endgame environments because you wouldn't have everybody pivoting to the exotic primary. You would probably initially have people fighting over who got to run exotic primaries because it's like we 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 haven't been using them that much. You know? Oh, I love Coldheart. I think Coldheart's one of the most underrated weapons in the game. If you go into unfamiliar content, this weapon is so, so good. It's damage over... It's, it's, it's ammo economy is incredible. It's flexibility is incredible. Because the, it, getting that damage buff while holding, it's great for majors. It actually does a pretty good job popping shields, even if, if match game's not on. It can do... Solar and void shields pretty quickly because of the like the the, the spin up, I guess I don't know what you call that. The, the the what's that what's that perk? Longest winter, yeah. The longest winter perk makes it very very. Uh, it gives it a lot of elasticity, and the ammo economy is right so good. Yeah, this ornament I love this ornament. I don't like this one that much. It is cool looking, but this is just clean, dude. This ornament called Pride of Amalon. You can buy it right now, can't you? Can't you buy all the ornaments through collections? Um, why are trace rifles taking special ammo? I don't know, but I love trace rifles, and their ammo economy is so stellar. You pick up, like, one brick, and you're back in business. <laughs> you pick up, like, one brick, and you're, just, you're back in business, dude. It's so good. Um... Yeah, I was I was glad to finally have Wave Splitter, but uh Oh, there's no ornaments for Wave Splitter. Or if there are, I can't go down in the menu to look at them. Yeah, Wave Splitter is 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 uh is clean. We need legendary trace rivals. I've been asking for them for a while. I don't think we're going to get them. Fet 44. Would it help if exotic primaries had a universal champion mod slot that would allow you to slot anti-barrier overload or unstoppable or just damage increase across the board? Yeah, this is addressed in the video. Um, I think both are needed. They need to be able to interact with champion mods and they need a buff in the end game. Specifically in the end game, not a blanket buff, but a blank uh, a blanket buff or a modifier buff in the end game. The last uh Kokui? Um says with the common problem with exotic primaries not being viable and content being connected with them not being able to equip mods could you see them adding a mods slot or like that to increase to allow two mod slots well obviously this is an area where this is an area where exotics need to stand out 
So we've already highlighted a handful of ways that exotic primaries are not standing out. Right? What? Low-key, it's a frog? In PR? I don't know what you're saying. Um, well, I... They're, they're, they can't run champion mods. Okay, that's one thing that's hurting exotic primaries. There's adept best-in-class weaponry on the horizon in September and beyond because of sunsetting. That's what we've been promised. Okay. And the power exchange is terrible. If I take off divinity or any of the heavies, I, I don't get that. I don't get any equal sense of power back. So all of those are a problem. And that's why... Um, just being like, oh yeah, you can equip some mods, or you can equip two mods wouldn't be enough. You mean November and beyond? Oh, shoot. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. November and beyond. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's too soon, Lono. It's too soon. Beyond Light got delayed, you dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. November and beyond. Sorry. Death Bobcat. How do you feel about the cool exotics like Graviton, Lance, and Sunshot could be improved to reach viability in the endgame outside of champion mods? Would an increase in their exotic perk be absolutely necessary? Yeah, we've already gotten a, a, a version of this question. I don't think each individual exotic needs to be combed over if you do things right. If you do things right, like what I suggested with the modifier, I don't think you need to do each individual exotic. Wouldn't buffing the damage of primary uh, ammo exotic negate the hierarchy of ammo types, especially a primary, uh, which would then be similar issue of endless saying the ammo type is weak or not worth using? No, I don't think this would mess things up because think about it. If you buff an exotic primary so that when I run a Grandmaster Nightfall, my exotic primary feels like I'm kind of at level against trash ads, okay? The, the scale of the enemies would stay intact. It wouldn't suddenly be strong enough to melt a boss or to melt majors. No, it's been buffed so that it feels like a very strong and capable primary against trash ads. Trust me, you know right now the difference between like when you're running delta content and non-delta content, dude. The ads just freaking stare at you, right? So... The, the spectrum of enemy and necessary damage and health pools and stuff would be unaffected by saying, well, no, exotic primaries are now being buffed by this modifier, so they're really good at killing trash ads. That wouldn't suddenly translate to the increased health pool of a major or a boss. Does that make sense? It's not a threat to that hierarchy at all. That hierarchy would stay in place. Train. Why has it taken Bungie so long to address this with champions and exotics? I enjoy a lot of the pri- the e- exotic primaries, but they don't feel good enough to game. I don't know why um I have no idea why they have they they haven't done anything with them. I can make a guess. I think champion mods and the artifact were an experiment. And now that they kind of know what they're doing, we're going to see changes in year four. And the reason I can make this theory is because when Luke Smith was interviewed about the stasis subclass, he said the stasis subclass will be bigger and have more uh, customization and more options. And he was asked, oh, are you going to do that to the other subclasses? And he said, this is an experiment first that we want to see how it goes. Okay, so then they'll probably, if the experiment with the stasis subclass goes well, well then the, the, they can go around to the others and start to add it to the other subclasses. S- same thing with, you know, 
champion mods and exotics they throw it in the game see how it goes and they're like okay we've learned some stuff now we can change the way that they land on exotics now we can change the way that they land on other weapons or secondaries or heavies or how many champions are in the game so I think we already have a glimpse into how they like to do this sort of thing by saying, oh, we're going to add stasis as a subclass, way more customization in depth, not just a bunch of attunement triangles that you, you know, diamonds that you choose from. And we're going to do it there first. And then they'll think about doing it to the other subclasses. You know? Next question from Drake. You explain how exotic primaries would be trash, would be for trash ads, but what about the ones that definitely are for DPS? How would you buff those? Because they can't compare either. Well, there aren't exotic primaries that are meant for DPS. I don't, I don't agree with this. I can't think of any, any, any exotic primary that uses white ammo that is, that is meant for, that is meant for DPS. There's no, wh- wh- which one are you thinking of? I mean, maybe you're thinking of the sweet business. But the sweet business is an auto rifle, it, and, and it's look how low its impact is. This is not a, this is not a DPS weapon. Outbreak again, you have to consider. Outbreak is a very unique example for DPS. Everybody has to run it, and they and they chopped it down a little bit, right? They chopped it down a little bit. So outbreak's probably the only one I could think of that is a primary that has something built into it to help with DPS. And when you say DPS. I don't know if you're going to go into Grandmaster Nightfalls and run three outbreaks. I really don't think so. I it, Again, Bungie would have to ensure that the exotic small arms buff or whatever doesn't apply to certain things so then outbreak wouldn't become broken. Right? So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I don't think... I would say, what, 95% of the exotic primaries are not intended for DPS. So... I don't I don't I don't think that this 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 question would necessarily be a huge problem then. Kyle uh, Westbrook. Do you think Taraba would be worth using if Bungie would allow it to keep the ravenous beast proc if you stow the weapon? Take note, I'm not advocating for being able to get a proc without the weapon out, aka Master of Arms. I don't know this is enough to make me use the weapon. I'm telling you, when I go into endgame content, even really, really strong exotics like Outbreak, Huckleberry, Bad Juju, like, I'm just not using them because the power exchange sucks. They're just, they're not strong enough. So even if you did this to Taraba, now, maybe from a design perspective, okay, maybe from a design perspective, Taraba deserves to keep that even if stowed. But, Underneath, it's still not good enough to use in endgame content because exotics are just exotic primaries. You just you lose too much damage when you equip that instead of a a support exotic or a DPS exotic. You know, Mike on to Mike. Other than mods and modifiers, do you think there are any other ways to buff exotic primaries? I'm stumped, honestly. L- listen, this conversation has eluded me for probably two years and I think we just recently came up with a solution that sounds right it's eluded me for two years because usually this is what I like to do with my content I highlight a problem and I make a suggestion for a solution right and when it came to exotic primaries go back and watch my Q&A's and stuff every time it come up I'm like I don't know I was like I don't know how you do it it's like exotic primaries are just kind of stuck in no man's land 
you know, exotic heavies and exotic energy weapons are just too good in most cases to ever take them off to put on a, a Suros or a sweet business. It just it doesn't. It feels like a stupid decision. And only recently, when we started thinking about how they brought back difficulty spectrum, and when I go into high difficulty spectrum content or or, or high delta content, my primary feels like garbage. And a way to fix that would be to make exotic primaries really strong uh, in the end game. Royal Duck. Doesn't making exotics better than legendaries kill the grind once you have an exotic, that's it. But the best guns and legendaries with random rolls keep you grinding. Well, no, because think about it. If suddenly exotic primaries were actually viable in endgame content, they're not one size fits all. If you're running DPS or support, if you're running Divinity or Xeno, you're still going to want to get really, really good legendary primaries. You're, you're going to. You're still going to want to chase those. It's not like they're going to buff exotic primaries and then that's all you're going to run. Also, keep in mind, let's say they do this and anytime you go into the end game, you've just decided that Outbreak is the best weapon. You just, you've done the math, you've crunched the numbers, and you're like, if I'm going to run end game content, contest modifier, or delta content, I am always going to run Outbreak. Okay, well, you can still go for God Roll Snipers, God Roll, you know, grenade launchers and swords, and there's there, there would be other weapons. You would run a raid and there'd be other adept weapons in there that are not primaries. I don't think that would happen. I really don't. I don't think you would suddenly be like, I'm only ever going to run this exotic primary. I still think there'd be mixtures. There would still be, oh, this new exotic rocket launcher, this new exotic shotgun is so worth using in XYZ content. And now all of a sudden you need a really good legendary primary. You know, there would still be, I think, room, um, room in the, uh, in that realm. I don't think you would close that off. Formal logic. Do you think there might be a way for Bungie to do interchangeable catalysts? Um, my opinion on catalysts is different than a lot of other people's. I don't understand why we need them. Just give me a fully orbed it's got everything it needs exotic. There aren't catalysts on exotic armor. You know, we didn't have exotic catalysts in D1. So, I just... I don't know. Or if you're going to do it, it should just already be on there. I should be able to just get the weapon and start using it and slowly get the catalyst. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them. So having interchangeable catalysts, I mean, again, I, I don't know what you would do here. I really don't. You're basically what going to have two. You're going to have two versions of a gun then two versions of an exotic that could get kind of weird and that could kind of break some stuff. So I don't know. This is like really specific, so it's hard for me to interact with it because I don't exactly know how this would look. Um, waiting for one to drop sucks. Yeah, I never got the one for Sleeper and I never got the one for Telesto. I, I don't like that aspect of it. Just put it on there and let me work on it. Let me let me, let me me use the weapon and, and get it after a while is how I would do it. So. We're going to transition here in a little bit to the call-in session. So if you're here in the live audience and you want to call in, if you've got a follow-up question, you want to debate me or disagree with me, you need to be a VIP, either a VIP on YouTube or Patreon. Uh, The tier one, five bucks a month, lets you submit questions, right? It lets you... Uh, use emotes and chat and all that, but if you want to upgrade to VIP to do call-in, we're going to do that next. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, and you want to take part in these, sntrpresents.com, if you prefer to use uh, the Patreon. Uh, If you want to call in, 
and you want to do the VIP thing, pick the VIP tier and then be here during the week at SayNoToRage.com to take part in these discussions when they happen live. As always, if you're listening elsewhere, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the call-in session that comes along with my video and Q&A about exotic primaries need some help. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always support me directly by going to saynotorage.com, watching me live. You can hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss these streams on YouTube, or hit the join button on YouTube. Pick between one of those tiers. Uh, You have to be a VIP or higher to take part in these call-in sessions, so you can use the YouTube, or you can use SNTRPresents.com, become a patron on there. The tiers there match the ones on YouTube, so whichever is easiest for you, and then get in the Discord to either submit questions or take part in the call-in. Some people are even doing the highest tier and co-hosting with me. So, we're going to go to Barrett first for our first call-in today. Go ahead, you're on the air. What do you got for me, Barrett? Hi. So, um... I had asked the question earlier about uh, Destiny uh, encounter design might be an issue with why exotic primaries are particularly weak. And I had brought up the point of it's if the Bungie were to move more towards uh, uptime rather than mm-hmm. just simply in insta bake with uh, heavy weapons. Uh, you cited Oryx as uh one particular good fight or which bungie um could uh look at to not try to like completely copy and paste but redo uh redo uh to help give more impact on um exotic primaries but my my question was because i feel like i need to clarify it does bungie need to try to consider uh a boss to where it has a giant health bar to mm. where they balance it around, you know, heavies don't particularly insta-kill the boss, maybe even take off a, a good portion of the boss. And it has phases to where they have things like a transition mm-hmm. to help make sure that players get ammo back um, for the for a long fight with the boss. So let's say it's a boss where in which it has a mixture between needing to move it around dodge attacks as a group uh do things such as react to it if it's trying to kill another player because you need to keep players alive to Mm -hmm. have that damage from the other player or even have moments where you look at the boss recognize it's doing this thing i can interrupt it with primary gunfire because i feel as if the meta of insta baking a boss Mm -hmm. is problem it is a problem yeah. where primary weapons for exotics either feel like they're more for a long-term DPS, such as something like Sweet Business or Outbreak Crime, or they're geared towards just being an ad-clearing exotic, yeah. which is something we don't particularly need. Yeah, I, here's you said a lot and so I'm going to try and engage with all of it my first my first response when I hear a huge health pool like giving a giving a you know a boss like a ton of health I don't know if that solves any of the problems that we highlighted about exotics and the reason for that is even if you go with something for more extended DPS like let's say a machine gun because it's got a lot of reserves or something and so when I look at that I think 
but you're still dealing with a massive health pool and so people would still probably then trend toward the maximum mo- like how much dps can we squeeze out it would it would it would still turn into meta gaming because you're still going to you're still going to need to engage with this massive massive health pool so i don't if you were to do that i would say what we do in the scourge boss fight would need to be there as a as a help so you're finessing the fight my gosh this guy's got so much health oh if we do this particular mechanic in the room we're gonna get a damage buff that is not necessarily related to metagaming or running the right exotic but be you have to finesse the fight almost like when we would slam the plates at axis as a challenge it actually finessed and increased damage because you could have more supers more readily available and so every damage phase, no matter how big or small, no matter how short or long, because the early damage phases on Axis are really short, and then the last one's a little bit longer, each of those is given more damage because you're finessing something in the fight. So I'd be really cautious against just by be, being like, well, give the boss way more health so you can't one-phase him. You're still going to run into the problem then of people saying, well, we need to do so much damage. Everyone run Xeno. Everyone run, you know, fill in the blank. And that's why I always cite Oryx. It's okay to have a fight where you don't necessarily even kill the boss with damage or somebody referenced the War Priest. You can extend DPS against the War Priest by running it in a particular way. It's you're finessing it. You have somebody running the relic and they're really good at it. You're going to have a much longer damage phase than a team with somebody who's really sloppy running the relic or someone who dies holding the relic and then it gets passed to somebody else. So I think Kingsfall has a lot to sort of glean from to make boss fights not as you say just this insane couple seconds of in, like do as much possible damage as you you know you can um and then if damage phases maybe lasted a little bit longer but there were checks in place to where if you do so much damage it kind of ends the phase so not an immunity phase just like you know i think it's okay sometimes to be like no you literally can't one bake this guy it's not possible or you know, or your first damage phase is taking down their shield, their big solar shield or whatever, and you're using a mechanic to do that. And then the second phase is an actual damage phase. So ex- exotic primaries in general just don't get legs in the end game because the power exchange on it sucks. It's like the, 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 uh, the energy and heavy exotics are so, so good. And exotic primaries basically do what a really, really good legendary does. They just kill trash ads. And so when I go into Delta content, whether it's a contest modifier or a Grandmaster Nightfall, or, and this is why I think we need the return of hard mode raids, hard mode dungeons. So you can go in there and suddenly your legendary primary doesn't feel that great anymore. And if exotic primaries are getting a buff in in those particular environments, suddenly you are going to want your buddy with you running an exotic primary because he can take care of the ads while you take care of the mechanic or while you take care of you know the 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 mini boss or whatever it is you're kind of splitting up the the details because a lot of you know a lot of raids you kind of pair up with somebody um so i that's that's the route that i would take i would be cautious against doing a big giant pendulum swing where everything is oryx or everything is a big giant you know sponge with tons of health i think those could be overreactions that prevent people from feeling like they're in charge of the strategy it just gets whittled down again into metagaming maximize damage and deal with the massive health pool you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, uh, I mean, when it comes to even MMOs, like, it's always going to be metagaming. Like, I play FF14, and I do end game raid in there, and a lot of times when you go into the LFG on that, they focus a lot on metagaming. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you don't want to bring in this class because it doesn't bring in any kind of support or it doesn't deal enough damage at this particular time that needs buffs and all that. So I think even if you were to sit there and buff primary weapons, I think players would still, unless if the fight is designed with them in mind, would still gear towards, move more towards the exotic heavies or just mm -hmm. move towards exotic specials. So that way they can do both the the boss damage as well as also the ad clear. And I think that's one of the problems with Destiny is it focused, most encounters are so focused on the, you're in danger because of the ads mm -hmm. and less on the boss being a menace. Because I, I when I talk to people about uh, the raid design on Destiny, I talk about, well, basically when you get into a boss fight, bosses are generally speaking just a giant turret they'll move around they'll shoot at you but they don't do anything to particularly uh, uh put the raid in danger and you don't even mm -hmm. have to look at the boss you're just focused on what you need to do which is usually the stuff you've been doing the entire raid and then just yep. some minor changes or some changes that they attack onto the boss fight now i will say uh scourge of the past and riven when done properly are probably the two boss fights that i think use the potential of destiny as a fps to where it's like hey you can interrupt the boss or you have to react to do something because the boss is attacking and it's something that even in mmos that i play mm -hmm. no one really does and i find it refreshing but it's also kind of disheartening that they haven't really used that particular um aspect that much i feel like in destiny no and i think i think you're right that's why i say so many bosses are just a prop they ju you say oh, they're yeah. like a turret yeah they're just a prop they're just standing there and that's why yeah scourge and i think riven are good examples of you 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 have to react you have to do something you have to stun uh you have to move you have to hide you can't just kind of like stand there and well and the other thing you said that i think there's two pieces to this you know oh everybody's still going to run to you know exotic heavies if you apply pressure on a player, and if, if it's a deltaed environment, this is why I think Contest Modifier has got so many uses. If I'm in a raid, a hard mode version of the raid, and Contest is on, that makes all the enemies a sword, and I know I'm going to get bum-rushed by these ads, and I know that Sweet Business or Suros or something is really, really efficient, or maybe Sunshot is really efficient at mitigating that, that, that pain point from those trash ads. The other part of this equation is Bungie making legendary heavies that aren't terrible. Rockets and machine guns just don't feel like they're worth using. Legendaries, they don't feel like they're worth using, you know, for damage. Um, grenade launchers got chopped down a little bit. So basically everybody runs guillotine right now, and that's probably going to get nerfed. So I would say that's you attack this from another side as well. We need good legendary heavy options because we don't presently yeah. have very many. Yeah, kind of like how back in D1 when we were doing Crota for the not just the first time, but also in Prestige, everyone, you, you know, the meme about using Galahorn and all that. But if you had the, the Crota rocket launcher with tracking and cluster bombs, mm -hmm. because of how the fight worked, it was actually, if you had that rocket, you could turn around and run something like Red Death or Suros because in the fight you couldn't heal. 
naturally. So mm -hmm. it gave you an option to heal and have survivability while not particularly sacrificing the ability to stagger the boss and do the mechanics. So I think you're right in to say there's many legendary weapons or even uh, archetypes of heavies that are underperforming right now. Like mm -hmm. just non-xenophage MGs are not very good at the moment. Rockets are absolute crap. Swords are good, but not every fight you can use a sword mm -hmm. if you, you know, if it's something like Crota or something, or something where it's a long distance, you know, that's definitely one point where, which I will absolutely agree with you. I, I think they need to start looking at and buffing things, mm -hmm. uh, not just, you know, exotic primaries for endgame, but they also have to just look at the whole board and be like, what's not being used? Mm -hmm. Why is it not being used? Yep. Yep. That's why I thought the modifier would be good for exotic primaries, so you don't have to go to each individual exotic primary. You just kind of give them a nice blanket buff in endgame. So, good thoughts, Barrett. I am going to I'm going to jump to somebody else. Thanks for calling in, man. Mhm. Mm Thanks. That was good. Those are some good thoughts. I'm going to come to you Darksider. Get you unmuted here. What have you got for me today, sir? Well, uh, I have a question regarding the new supers with the stasis one. Okay. In the interview, Luxmith said that they will be unique and very customizable. Mm -hmm. It sounds all very interesting, but if it's for a high-end content and the supers won't behave like well or bubbles, I don't see people using them at mm. all. Mm -hmm. Because the safety of well and the damage buff from it, it feels like it's passive supers like Nova Bomb, well and bubble they don't require you to be in super forever mm -hmm. add what people want because you pop the super it deals damage and you also use your heavy weapon for yeah this is yeah people hate when i say this but this is why well of radiance just should not exist it should not be in the game um it's honestly worse than self-res i would rather have self-res back i mean people in trials would probably hate that but i would rather have self-res back than well of radiance i just i don't think well of radiance should be in the game um it's it's basically every super in one it it helps with damage it helps with survivability it helps with health uh you know it lasts for a long time um so I do think though, I do think that one of the things I'm hoping Bungie focuses on with stasis and eventually maybe the other uh, supers in the other subclasses is creating environments where um, I feel like I'm trying to think of some of the sections of Kingsfall. I always go to Oryx. I feel like in Oryx, you used bubbles, you know, very intentionally, but then you could do like quiver. People would do the, you know, the quiver tether to, and then they would uh, pick the anchors that lasted a really long time and they would anchor uh, ogres two, three, and four. So that's a good example. I think of a, of a super being used in sort of a non-traditional way. And then, so maybe there could be some good environments where Bungie could consider stasis is going to be a great solution here because of the trap or slowing effect that it has on maybe this particular enemy needs to die quickly or needs to die right here. Um, I, I, that would be, I think, a way to utilize it 
to where, yes, Well of Radiance is nice, you're going to maybe use it for a, par- a certain part or, or a, a certain damage phase, but man oh man, this ogre, this knight, this fill in the blank has got to die right there or close to there or whatever, maybe stasis with its slowing or again, maybe if there's like trap effects where if things run through it, it triggers the trap and that gives you the ability to like look away from a door or look away from, you know, a bunch of trash ads that might mob you. Um, th- um, so, this go ahead. This would be used with the mechanic that we have similarly in the Prophecy Dungeon where the boss constantly teleporting with platforms where you would need a stasis class to create an anchor point so you can damage the boss. Yeah, yeah. So you do something that that earns you that extra damage or that extra phase. Um, yeah, I there. This is where I think like plate slamming is another example I use a lot. One team that did plate slamming every time perfectly in the Axis fight, you would see a significant difference between efficiency and damage on a team that does it every time and a team that just ignored it. People are like, ah, I don't feel like slamming the plates. And then a team that did it. Now, obviously, we all started doing it for challenge, but if it, even when it wasn't challenge, we would still do it because it was so. It made the fight go so much smoother, and so uh, the, the efficiency and the damage was so much higher. Especially if you ran what I ran, which was max discipline, Starfire Protocol, Fusion fusion grenades, and then they had buffed recently Viking Funeral. I could match a Dark Drinker in DPS in that fight because of how fast I could throw the nade. So, like, that's another example of one team versus another team isn't, oh, they all ran Gallahorn or, oh, they all ran, you know, Izanagi's. It's, no, they interacted with a mechanic and finessed the fight in a way that increased damage output, and it is related to their guns, but not in such a, not in such a specific, oh, you gotta have Galley, you gotta have XYZ. So, Mm -hmm. good thoughts, man. I'm gonna go to somebody else, though. Thanks for calling in. Okay, see ya. Let's see here. Avenger, what do you got for me today? Hopefully, nothing about bandwidth. You're muted, by the way. Nothing about bandwidth this time. Uh, Sorry, I was typing in chat. Um, So, uh, talking about raids, when you talk about King's Fall, right? Um, I mean, you talk about orcs with that encounter. Um, The problem that I have with that encounter, because I I really don't like King's Fall as a raid uh, for many reasons. Um, And I know many people are going to get mad at me when I say that. But the reason why I don't like it is Oryx, for at least example. The reason why I don't like Oryx is because it feels like your gear doesn't matter because it's so mechanically based. So you don't have to, you can run with all white gear and it doesn't feel like you're running, like it doesn't feel like you're at too much of a disadvantage other than when you're killing adds because the damage is through the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there needs to be a balance. There, There needs to be a specific balance between mechanically based and the shooter based of it because it's it's both it's an mmo and it's or an rpg and a fps so you kind of gotta have to like a little bit both in there and i feel like if you lean too much on mechanic based you're gonna it, it's not gonna be as good and then if you're to lean too much on shooter based which is the issue with what d2 is at right now then it's not gonna be as good either and i think there needs to be a good balance in between that and I don't, I don't know if having solely like mechanics like Oryx, like just having that straight, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a 100% a good thing. Well, I actually think you're, 
I think you're glossing over where gear and damage did matter in the Oryx fight, and you're not remembering it because once you get good at it, it doesn't become memorable. I think to the same degree that when you get really good at melting a boss, like one facing the Scourge boss right now, it doesn't feel that challenging. It's not exactly like a memorable damage, like it's not a damage check. It's not a, oh my gosh, you got to run expert gear. You can run so many different combinations for the scourge fight because we just we just do so much damage when you maximize the mechanic in the room I think people that run the right gear and really get good at certain things in the oryx fight you're not remembering like how a team could struggle with ogre placement because an ogre would walk and if you don't kill ogres quickly so that's a damage check that's a bit of a gear check like killing an ogre quickly is something that needs to be done uh finesse it also rotates so sometimes if you were plate number one uh, you didn't have somebody to help you. So, you know, the people up top had to help you. Killing the Light Eater Knights very quickly, that, that's actually challenging. I, that's one of the reasons that I ran the Whisper. I, I, I liked it being a, a, a heavy-hitting shot. I wanted to take him out uh, really, really fast. Then, you get inside the Shade. Number one, we came up with our own strategy for what we called baiting the shade, and that, that really cleaned up the shade aspect because people would always get slammed as they teleported in, and to minimize that, we would draw aggro and then jump over him. But killing the shade quickly and efficiently, again, it just becomes really easy. It becomes another like, oh, we're at level, we're gliding over this, so you don't remember it as a damage pain point anymore. You glide over the ogres, the light eater knights, and the shade, and you so you forget... All you're remembering is detonation. It's like, oh yeah, we de- we kill him with the bombs. It's like, there's actually a lot of, you know, significant parts of that fight where the right gear and the right skill makes a humongous difference. We always had that guy. Every team had that guy who would struggle with his ogre and he would struggle with his light eater knight. And you, 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 you sensed that only because he wasn't, he was like the flat tire on the car. It's like, come on, man, hit your shots. And so sometimes I worry that skill and and this is where I think contest modifier could be more significant you get to and above the level of an encounter and so many of those aspects are just not difficult anymore that's why I talked about in the dungeon the bowl encounter doesn't have any intensity now because I'm above the I'm above the delta but when I saw swords when I was under that delta holy moly there was an intensity there I had to keep moving I had to watch my recovery I couldn't stand still I had to really really use cover efficiently and um I don't know I think if there would have been a contest version of the oryx fight you might remember it a little bit differently because there's a lot of dps checks the ogres the knights and the shade all need to be done quickly and efficiently And I think that's actually a great mixture. The problem is, as I said, you've forgotten it because you got so good at gliding over it. You don't remember it as a pain point anymore. And yeah, I I will say like the point of it is that like, yeah, you know, you have these pain points of, you know, killing the ogres, you know, making sure the knights are dead, you know, um, and making sure that when you get teleported in the shade that, you know, that gets killed quickly. The thing is, I don't think that, you know, and, and like you said, you gloss over these pain points, because, like I glossed over them because they weren't really an issue once, you know, you got everything down, once you're above power delta. Mm-hmm. Even even in current raids right now, um, there if you mess up on a mechanic, it, it hurts, but at the same time, it gets to the point where it's just memory and you're just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And doing it. And it's just like, just like you're just doing it over and over and over again. Like people who grind the raids, 
it's like a second thing like they don't even need to talk during the encounter like if you're doing crown of sorrow mm -hmm. people just go there's crystal go go boom boom they don't even have to say anything that being said if you don't like once it gets to that point once you hit that power delta i think a raid encounter at least needs to be oh well i have the mechanics down let's go let's go let's go let's go but it needs to be almost okay well i'm a power delta and i'm still having issues like in garna salvation if i don't shoot the cyclops i'm dead or you know oh i don't have a sniper on i can't kill that cyclops and i think that that right there having it so you still even at power delta above power delta you know it should still be something that's in your mind and it shouldn't be just a second thing like oh let me just hit three shots on the ogre oh it's dead oh the shade gem let me just jump over him real quick i think there needs to be more there needs to be more urgency with those mechanics or something yep. that's not just a second nature yeah yeah I, and that's why i always say take inspiration from oryx like and i said it another way today like apply pressure from the side like don't approach me directly like this guy's going to attack you or you're going to get shot or but you know if there's like almost like this pressure from the side if it almost feels like it's in your peripheral like i could go slam this plate or i could shoot war priest and hold the aura like it's almost like this the light eater knights right it's this pain from over here it's like, oh my gosh this is another plate i have to spin i think that's when you get into a really good place because then I, I got good at a particular thing. I got good at killing Light Eater Knights that weren't mine. I got good at holding the aura at War Priest. And right now, I just I feel like that's a lack. And you brought up the urgency, like, oh, it needs to be done quickly. I got good at baiting the shade and hitting shots on him so we could kill him quickly. And that, I think, is another element that you can take some inspiration from Oryx in that some of those pain points were about efficiency and speed kill it quickly keep it in its spot get it before it gets to x spot you know like uh wasn't there another shoot wasn't there something else in destiny where we had to prevent an enemy from getting to a certain position i forget what that was it might just be hvts from escaping um but i love that that urgency i think is is the key it really is the key and so if, if mechanics are just purely mechanical, like stand here, stand here, do this, do that, um, I don't feel a sense of urgency in a lot of the mechanics in Destiny 2. Um, the Vault and Last Wish. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yes! yes! A that's a perfect example of like, there's that urgency and killing that knight quickly. Boy, that's fun once you figure out the right moves and the right kit to do that. It feels really good. You're like, nah, dude, this guy's not going to get to this spot and put his sword in the ground. Oh, I love that. That There is something that I, I, I don't want to overuse the word intensity, but man, oh man, if there's an intensity, even when I've got it down, that's where a contest modifier could really, really help. Because and that night would always be a threat if contest was on. Yeah, and I, I, a lot of people, like, the thing is, that you look a lot, like, you talk about Wrath, and I think Wrath is actually a very good example with the plate mechanic, you know, bringing more, you know, mechanical difficulty as well as, you know, pushing that in. Another thing I look at is Last Wish, as in at least the last two, in, or the Vault and then Riven. I think those two are prime examples, and they haven't done anything like that since. Like, at least mm -hmm. Riven legit, not just hitting it with a sword or shooting rocket launchers or grenade launchers into her mouth. But I think like those two encounters, and I think if they would use that more, because a lot of like Riven is a great example where it's mechanically heavy and it's urgent and it's all about shooting. 
but you don't do your damage, may, your main amount of damage, like you can, but your main amount of damage is through shooting her cysts when you're going down. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what a lot of people like don't look at because no one does last wish legit. Right, right. I actually forgot. <laughs> I'll be honest. Exactly. I, I, for, I forgot that's where the main damage came from because I just remember shooting her um, in the mouth and getting so much damage there. I forgot about shooting the sores. That That is, that's another area where having having skill and finesse increases damage. You get way more of her sores if you manage that room and that fall properly. Um, I don't know how big of a fan I am of me having to just kind of fall and be like a big, you know, dummy just dangling in the air. But I did like the fact that it was a very non-traditional way of doing damage to a boss. That Riven is a, um, a big, complex, complicated work of art that just gets spit on by most of the community. It's so unfortunate that they put so much time and thought and size and scope into that fight and like I would say 90% of the people that have beat Riven have not done it legit. A very small percentage of people um, <laughs> have actually done it legit and that's just I just that's such a bummer, you know. Now and this, this is that's actually a good follow up on my next question. Do you think if Last Wish was a very was didn't have the cheese and was very like you had to do it legit every time do you think that would highlight some of the exotic primaries that are right now because your main focus isn't like you have some majors but at the same time your main focus is clearing out ads and then you have to get the stun or you have to break the tentacles and you have your damage in the mouth which could be used by an energy or a heavy but at the same time you have to focus on ad clear and killing the knights when you're up top do you think that would be more of a focus with um exotic primaries if it was more like that there there there's so many conditionals here though because once i'm at the level no i don't need an exotic primary because all those trash ads die so fast to a legendary so that's where you need a couple of conditionals you need contest modifier hard mode so i'm under a delta and then when that trash ad pressure gets there if that exotic primary like we call it exotic small arms if that modifier is active now i'm gonna go to this room and i'm gonna run the exotic primary i'll take care of the ads you guys run you know xyz exotic to help with dps or support or whatever and and i'm telling you until you turn that dial those two dials right you have to turn up the delta so that i see swords and then you have to buff the exotic primaries in that environment if you don't do that exotic primaries are just not going to have a presence in that kind of content because you get to the delta you're at level and a legendary hand cannon legendary pulse is going to do the job every day of the week it just the pain's not it's it's not significant enough they're too they die so fast and that's not a problem that's part of the content loop. There's content like that where you just hack your way through trash ads. It's totally fine. But if you really want Endgame to, to flourish with both diversity and combat dynamics, we have to get rid of this notion of like, oh, once you're at level, trash ads die lightning fast. You're yawning your way through it. You're just standing there lead-footed, letting stuff shoot you, and then you one-phase the boss. We need to bring back a perpetual hard mode, and I believe contest modifiers how you do it. You never get above the delta, so pain and intensity is never just run over ripshod, which is why Oryx is such a good example. You can't beat Oryx faster, even if you're running the best kit, even if you're running, you know, all of the greatest exotics, you're managing a bunch of different pain points. And so that's why I like the site Oryx take inspiration from that. And then we would truly have what feels like 
aspirational content again. If aspirational content only feels aspirational when you're being bludgeoned by a Delta because leveling sucks and the content launches after a day or two, that's not an enduring piece of aspiration. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, well, two or three weeks later, everybody's at Delta and it's no longer aspirational content. If Especially if they're going to start putting top shelf gear in raids and top shelf gear in endgame content man you're gonna have to do a whole lot more than just be like yeah it's tough for like a week and then not like I don't know I I feel like we need to recapture the 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 sense of hard mode and, and aspirational challenge yeah I definitely do agree and this is my last point right here and this is something because you, you actually brought it up kind of a little bit um, when we talk about this when we talk about exact primers when we talk about aspirational content when we talk about leveling do you think that all of these are intertwined? Like, if we solve one issue, do you think that's going to ease points on a different issue or ease points here and there? Because I feel like a lot of these issues, while they're all in separate areas of the game and separate, you know, issues in different places, I feel like once we start to solve one, I feel like it's going to ease up on the other ones and then it's going to ease up on more. And I think it's just going to be a, a landslide of just all these issues that we're talking about and we're making and you're making videos about. I feel like that all of these issues are underlyingly tied to each other, and I wanted to see if you agreed with me on that. Well, yeah, because if if you create content that has more depth and challenge to it, then you, it, I think it's harder to have a one-size-fits-all solution to that kind of content. There was not a one-size-fits-all solution to Oryx in, in the way that there was a one-size-fits-all solution for Crota. Look at the difference between those fights. In Crota, run Galley or that other rocket launcher. But still, run that. Kill, 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 kill. Stay back. Boom, boom, boom. Go hit him with a sword. Like, that was it. And in Oryx, there was not a one-size-fits-all solution. People were like, why do you put the bubbles at the top? Why don't you run Touch of Malice? Blah, 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 blah. There was a variety of approaches. Now, I don't know how you get there unless you require players to do more than kill some ads solve a puzzle mechanic and then dump damage in a boss's face there's got to be more in between right it's like the bread there, there there's a piece of bread here and a piece of bread here the first piece of bread is come in here and engage with the raid and the last piece of bread is dps sandwich in between there there just needs to be more ingredients there needs to be more going on in a raid than oh uh, some trash ads are going to come out, then a major, and then you got to figure out the mechanic. Shoot the crystals, dunk the ball, stand on the plate, do it in the right order. Up, oh, time to damage the boss. If more happens in in between those two things, like in Oryx, kill ogres quickly, kill light eater knights quickly, detonate it, it do, do a detonation all together, right? Everything's tied together. If the if the ogre timing's bad, your detonation won't be done properly because somebody's going to get to their bomb before you because theirs is closer and then you're going to die because you had to run further, right? Then you got to go into the shade. Good communication, good DPS, good quickness in the shade. So much is happening and, and there really isn't even a DPS phase in that fight. But let's imagine that there was. Let's imagine you do all that and then you're allowed to damage Oryx. It would still be a great fight because so much is happening in between. That's why I love Scourge of the Past. You got a guy at the map. You got a guy covering snipers. You got a guy stunning the boss. You got two people or maybe one person taking off the boss's shield. Then you got people going and killing the berserkers and they got to communicate with the map guy. So much is happening before you even get to damage. 
And then, and then when it's time to damage, there's a mechanic there that you can maximize damage. I'm telling you, I think the Scourge fight is literally the perfect boss fight that they've ever created. I really do. I think it has all the right pieces. And take some inspiration from Light Eater Knights and Oryx and the Scourge fight, and you've got a winning combination for a boss fight that doesn't feel like a prop that we just dump grenades into and and then you're not in metagaming when that happens. You're not in this, oh, you have to run this, you have to run this. There's so much going on. The guy running snipers isn't going to run the, the, the same out uh, kit as the guy on Berserker because fighting that guy in that room and all that, you're going to probably run a little bit of a different loadout than me. I'm going to run scouts, uh, bows, snipers, right? I'm not going to run that if I'm going up in the face of a Berserker. If I'm running the map room, I'm going to run a different loadout. And I think that is why that fight just, there's layers to its value. And Oryx was a similar thing. Not everybody was going to run the exact same loadout because a lot of people were either more comfortable with something else or you were running in a different position than me. And then that meant you were going to run, you know, a a far different loadout than me. And that's, I think, when you get away from gotta run XYZ or XYZ is the best. Mm. So I hope they can get there uh, for year four. Hopefully. All right. Good talking with you, dude. I'm going to go to N.A. Painter. Hopefully you're still around. This, we, we've been going for a while now. N.A. Painter, if you are there, you can unmute yourself. Go ahead. So, quick background, and then I'll tell you how this is, this is going to be weird. Uh, so uh, I'm like, uh, I, I like to play a lot of higher echelon content. I like doing raids. I try to participate in day one raid races. Uh, I always try to get best gear, best stuff, love to go for low man challenges, all, all the stuff. And the thing that I was worried about is how thin the line is between, uh, say when someone's going for a raid race, how thin the line's going to be between the exotic weapons being good and then outclassing like things to where most of the team might be running that for DPS. Obviously, mm-hmm. the things come to mind like Outbreak and things like Rat King sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main the main point is right now in the game, we have a lot, and I mean a lot, of really, really good legendary weapons to run in high-end activities. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking things like Reckless Oracle, uh, the new Cold Denial pulse rifle uh recluse which is obviously going away thank god um things that make war mine cells are very good and one of the best current primaries in the game just for doing damage the last hope sidearm is incredibly good at clearing out even going in to an activity 20 below you're almost mowing through ads Mm -hmm. without any problem and especially once you get multi-kill clip rolling on a gun you can just easily scoot through most low tier ads and even sometimes majors. So when you're looking at things, like when you're looking in exotic slots, like maybe the Huckleberry or the Crimson, they have these very nice exotic perks, but the damage just isn't there, which this buff would obviously help with. But then you Mm -hmm. have obviously things like Outbreak Perfected, which stack damage with each other, the Malfeasance, Mm -hmm. the Rat King, Mm -hmm. things that where when you use them with a team, they actually go farther outside of the primary and they go into almost special and heavy damage where at that point why even run a shotgun Mm -hmm. and then not only that but 
since the, the the entire conversation isn't about like buffing things in the primary slot like obviously not Izanagi's burden primary in in general just pl primary ammo yeah white so ammo you could, yeah white ammo like things like maybe Teraba or symmetry the main question is if i'm going into a raid and i want to use the best stuff mm -hmm. and i already have weapons that can shred through most minor ads so we don't need someone on the team to go for a specific role for clearing miners how much of a buff would the exotics need that i would use an exotic to go over say my last hope yep and when would it eventually outclass something like the izanagi hot swap which is running the highest dps in the game yeah no it's, it's, it's just so far high yeah no this is a good question and i think you have to turn two knobs you have to turn the knob of we need hard mode content we need contest modifier like a perpetual delta and i do know there are some legendaries that you're going to feel really good they're, they're still going to feel strong in those environments even if you're seeing swords you know the right weapon as you're saying with the right damage perk you can kind of kind of roll through but if the encounters are designed in such a way to where there's a clear difference between your best legendary primary and an exotic primary, because the exotic primary would also the other knob you have to turn is turn this buff on. So what you're do what you're doing is is you're almost creating that champion pain point, right? They added champions and then they have to give you a way to meet that pain point. So they would turn up the delta or turn up the the, the health and the damage of the enemies. That's a knob they can turn. And when they turn that knob up, they give you the ability to meet that pain with an exotic primary buff. And obviously they'd have to be careful with things like Outbreak and, and Rat King to be like, okay, these guns are going to get a, a, a particular tweak from this perk so that it doesn't turn into, yeah, everybody just run Outbreak. You can kill all the ads, all the majors, and just melt the boss. They would have to put some you know things in place. But most exotic primaries are not going to suddenly become problematic if you suddenly make them really, really good at killing high delta you know uh, trash ads. If the, if the trash ads are high delta and they're becoming a problem, you and your buddy are assigned to like stand on this one side of the room and he's trying to do the mechanic and grab the ball or stand on the plate or do whatever, and you're trying to, like, keep the trash ads at bay, you're probably going to feel like Sweet Business or Suros or Huckleberry or something is just way better than running, you know, a DPS exotic. What you're doing is you're applying pressure to the player and they can solve that in their own way maybe you determine no you know what last hope's good enough if i really get some damage proc and i really position myself in the right way i can still carry xenophage or whatever um but somebody else may be like i don't want to do that dude it's just so much easier to throw on sweet business and mow these guys yeah. down that damage buff's really helping and that's when just like with champions i believe the more combat dynamics and the different types of pain they put on us the less likely you're going to be like nope just run Xeno yeah it's meta and then legendary solve all your other problems you know that that's why this solution I think has a lot of and this is why contest modifier and this exotic primary solution I think actually has a lot of legs because suddenly then the, no encounter has the best loadout anymore it's kind of like that way in scourge of the past right now my loadout for snipers and boss management is as i said just a bit ago it's so much different than somebody who's on berserker uh duty why because you're asking us to do different things and if you're asking us to do different things that's when i think you'd see loadout start to change and if i really have to keep 
delted trash ads at bay, that's when I might lean towards an exotic primary. You definitely see that. Uh, I guess maybe the only main point, pa- uh, sorry, pinpoint against that is uh, the fact of super regeneration right now. And trust me, this is going somewhere. The super regenerates to, an, to a, a pretty, not an overpowered extent, but to a pretty fast extent, especially when you have high intellect. And one of the mods that I'm guessing a lot of people are going to take into high-end content being special finisher, uh, that could possibly dissuade some people from even, like, because uh, from using exotic primaries when maybe they could just run, say, if there's, uh, like, some, some higher echelon ads that maybe I don't want to even get close to a primary with, or if I would did want to use a primary, I'd want to use an exotic primary with the new buff. Why not mm-hmm. just use a sniper rifle so I don't even have to get in close? Just pull out an energy sniper rifle real quick, shoot some ads, move back, use a special finisher on one of the ads, and just get all the special ammo I just wasted back while sacrificing almost zero survivability and zero anything else because my super's just going to recharge within like a minute anyways. Here's why I'm okay with that happening. That's really specific, and you built out... you you. That's a loadout you came up with to do that, and someone else might not want to do that. So now you're running Sniper, and you're getting your, you're getting your Super back really quickly, and because you're getting your Super back really quickly, you're using the Finisher to get the Sniper ammo back. So you've now solved the pain point in a way that I probably wouldn't. That doesn't sound like something I would do. And if, and if you're creating that level of of loadout diversity which i think as you just outlined i think we're seeing more loadout diversity possibilities rear their head and then you feel like at liberty to just spend your super do you, I, I was doing that in sundial and i loved it i had never ending uh sword ammo and never ending machine gun ammo because i didn't need my super for anything so i was literally constantly doing the uh the heavy ammo finisher and it was really really fun and i think that's totally fine i think if i'm going to go into an encounter that's something that they need to avoid oh we hope people play it in this way or or run this loadout no you you want it to be like that oh this guy's running sniper and he's constantly using his super to get ammo back well this guy's not going to do that because they need his bubble tether or well or whatever and so he's not running that he can't do that so he's running an exotic primary so he's not necessarily focused on using his heavy for damage, but he's buffing the team's you know damage with the well or whatever. And then he's actually using an exotic primary to manage the same pain point you're managing with a sniper and a finisher loadout to get the ammo back. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's definitely a really nice point. I obviously do like to manage my uh, loadout, so it's very high echelon. Uh, I think that's that's probably all I have. I, th- I had a thought in my head, but it kind of just disappeared from me, so I don't know what it was. No, no, that was a good discussion, dude. Thanks for calling in. Uh, yeah, had a great time. All right, I am going to go Pit Viper. I have you with a red mute slash. I can't remember if you're supposed to call in or not, so I'm going to go to Techno. Pit Viper, if you're supposed to call in, let me know in the Discord Patreons, uh, in the Discord supporter chat. I can't remember if, if, uh... If Pit Viper is calling, you're not. Okay, thank you for responding. All right, I'm coming to you, Techno. Uh, what do you got for me? Uh, everyone keeps talking about uh, to increase the raid difficulties through mechanical pan and all that stuff, but still keep your DPS checks and everything in. And I just 
start to have flashbacks to what Spire of Stars was at release, and then even after that, and I did not enjoy it that much. So I feel like it's a very delicate balance between the mechanical pain and then DPS checks, because if you can just brute force it with DPS, then the mechanics don't really matter that much. Mm -hmm. But if you have too much mechanical pain, you might not even get to the DPS in the first place. Like, Spire of Stars, no one wants to run that, except for maybe the people that want the raid ring, and after that, no one goes back. Because the mechanical pain is just too high. If a single person messes up even once, you might as well just wipe and start again from scratch. Yeah, I, I think there are there are pitfalls along this road, and I think that's a pitfall. Like, I don't want encounters that are like that, where... And this is where I've been kind of critical of D2 raid philosophy in some of my content where I say that everything feels like a relay race and if one person drops the baton, it's easier to, or you just feel like it's just easier to wipe. Um, And some of that's also related to the res timer. It's like, you know, the res timer kills you and everybody's supposed to do, everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Right. Some of the things I've cited right now, the reason they're so good is everybody has a different role. I'm not, I've never read the map for the Scourge fight at the end. I've never been on the Berserker team for a Scourge fight at the end. I just, it's just I've not what I've never read map and, or I've never read for Vault and Last Wish. Right. But in Garden, we've all virtually done the exact same dadgum thing. It's like a relay race. Leviathan, same thing. We've all done the exact same thing for the most part. I know dogs is a little bit different. But like when everybody... Challenge modes for Leviathan were just rotate your roles. Yes. It's a relay race. And so it doesn't feel like the team can finesse or we have a good relic runner. We have a good aura holder. We have a good fill in the blank. And... That's why I think some of the best fights are where there is a particular role or there is a, 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 a relic that someone needs to grab and be good with it and, and do their do their quote unquote job. And the unfortunately, everything feels like not everything, but a lot of the encounters when you combine revive tokens, revive timer and the everybody has to do their part. I think you lose some of that rise to the occasion hero moment or I am very good at X you lose some of that and that, that that's that's something I think that could be recaptured and I think that again le- leads to what we've been talking about not everybody's going to run the exact same loadout then not every exotic or legendary primary or legendary heavy there is no one size fits all kit because we're all doing different things and I just I'm gonna keep pointing to things like Oryx and the Scourge fight because in those fights there's just no way to say everybody should run this. Now I do think it, 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 the Scourge fight, yes, we're all probably gonna pull out very similar damage devices because of the nature of the damage phase. But I also think the damage phase has within it something that if you think about how many times we did in one phase, because somebody gets gets a little gets a little flustered and goes to the wrong, you know. Oh, I thought we were doing cap. No, we're doing ACP, ACP or whatever. Like, and then somebody goes to the wrong one, and you don't one phase. Like one phasing is actually dangling on a thread. If one person goes to the wrong spot, you're not one phasing the scourge boss. And so, I think that's another thing I like about it. That reminds me of plate slamming at Axis or uh, enhanced relay defender at the end of garden. If you do it in a particular way and, and use a particular low, like, like mod or stand in a particular place, you get 
you get increased damage efficiency. Um, and and I like also that. how in Scourge, if that one person gets flustered and makes a mistake, it's not just like a oh well, let's wipe. Mm-hmm. You're like right. If, it's like uh, oh, it's a two. If it's a two from phase. Someone Berserker team messes up. Like someone that's sitting on map or doing another role can just pick up the slack rather easily. Yes. It's, yes. It's a lot harder to pick up slack when someone fails their role in other raids. And how fun would the Scourge final boss encounter be without a revive timer, right? We've got to try to five-man it. We've got to try to four-man it. There's about t- you know 20% of his health left. Let's just keep on going with a, with a low-man team. I, I would love to see a team do that because it'd be tough because the boss would be, oh, who's going to get his shield? Who's going to stun him? Who's going to take care of the snipers? Like It'd be a lot of roll rotation, and that makes for intense combat. I just don't think we should have that uh, wipe timer in general in raids. Yeah, the wipe timer takes away from non... like, from unplanned victory. It feels very transactional right now when you know exactly what needs to happen and everybody's alive and everybody does their part. Unplanned victories are sometimes the most exciting. When you would do a four-man detonation at Oryx, that was intense. Because you're sitting there, somebody's shouting orders, you go to this spot, you take his spot, I'll take your spot. Relic Runner, you gotta go in front of Oryx because... He'll, he'll roast you if you know if not because you're shooting him in the chest you've got his aggro like the roll rotation in those in that fight in particular was all in uh low manning war priest right I'm telling you I I really really want to see the the res timer just completely go away um there was a time in the teleporter encounter in garden the baseball diamond where I run over through the teleporter I kill all of the um what are the hydras called in there? The things that block. I angelics. Them. Yeah, I go over, I kill all three angelics. I get everything off the plate. Nothing sacrifices. I did it. I saved the day. And the wall was about to come down. We didn't know this yet. We hadn't gotten that far yet. The wall was about to come down. And we got killed by the res timer. Well, that... What? What? You know what I'm saying? You chopped my legs out. For For Why? I came over and saved the day. I satisfied the mechanic, and we would have seen the walls come down. We would have scrambled to the center. Five-man, intense, oh my gosh, can we do it? And even if we didn't do it, it still would have been a cool moment of we learned more, we got further, awesome job, guys, we've got this. And instead, it was like some invisible operator up in the window is like, no, fail, boom, and like hits a button, and then we get wiped. Like, get the res timer out of here. You can limit reses with the tokens that's fine i'm okay with limiting reses especially if they go back to normal and hard mode raids i think they need to do that but the timer is just dumb it just i don't think it i don't think it's necessary it doesn't what does the timer add i need somebody to quantify that and answer that for me qualify it what does the timer add that it needs to stay well the timer used to be 30 seconds so it could be a lot worse true (laughs) true like i said Grandma's doing 35 on the highway. The speed limit's 70. Come on, Grandma, speed up. If she speeds up to 55, still's not fast enough. Uh, giving us more time on the timer is good, but it's you're not going far enough. Just get it out. I I, I don't I don't think it should be in the game. It's especially not in it, it, not in raids. Just get it out of here. <laughs> so, all right. Well, gonna... Maybe the timer in like okay. a hard mode raid would be more justified, but not in a normal. Even in a hard mode raid, though, I don't know. I like, I lo- I love those memories of a hard I don't mode like Oryx. Time, like it's just 
when they're just pressing the time on you because someone died, it doesn't really feel that good. And then picking up the slack for the dead person is usually doable depending on the encounter, but it's just that two minutes, 30 seconds ticking down that just basically ruins the entire experience. Right, like, nobody liked when this happened, but there was something special about being halfway through the Oryx fight and somebody died. And it's like, ugh, on hard mode, you can't res them. So you're like, we gotta keep going. We're, 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 I used to say it, we're invested. If we were on phase one, maybe two or whatever, and somebody died, it was like, oh, just wipe. And I know a lot of people push back and they say, you know, that's why it's better to have res timer and tokens. I think hard mode could have less reses, right? Less reses. And then normal could have more reses, but get rid of the timer. So if I, if we get invested in the fight and someone's dead and we're out of reses, we can just press on and see if like, if see, if we can do it. See if Play we can pull it this off. Right. Exactly. And those moments are some of the best. The first time you managed more than one cannon in Axis, the first time you low man detonated at Oryx, right? That is a memory that you have. And week in, week out, satisfying satisfying the mechanics of a fight and satisfying the, you know, the, oh, everybody has to stay alive and do their part. Um, I just, I, I don't think that that feels as special as some of those old raids because the opportunity to rise to the occasion is never really pressed upon you, so... Alright, I'm gonna go to King Salty. Thanks for calling in, Techno. Going to you, Real King Salty. If you're there, make sure you are unmuted. And what do you got for me? Yes, I can. Yes, sir. Sorry, hopefully it's not too loud. I'm on my headset. No, you're good. back from the coffee restaurant. (laughs) You're good. Uh, no, uh, question is, I've been thinking about this for a while. I used to play ESO a lot, and one of the mechanics that I really liked in ESO was, uh, synergies. I like how, like, weapons had synergies, uh, elemental types, abilities had synergies, so what you did, your teammate could come up to you and hit Y and B, whatever, and they would activate, like, a, an escalated tier or an escalated ability based off of the original one that was cast. Now... This could get easily convoluted, and I'm not exactly sure how it would work with uh, weapons. But for instance, say if you are attacking with an exotic primary and someone is able to activate a synergy that enhances that weapon for a temporary period of time, or they're able to, like, uh, similar to Devour, they can consume their grenade. But what's, what? how about if they were to, if it, this would be in the explanation of the exotic weapon in question, is... It would say if so-and-so does this or so-and-so activates this ability close to you, it allows your weapon to do this. Or Mm. so if you're running in, you're trying to do ag player, say someone's running Huckleberry and a warlock comes by and he activates Devour within a certain proximity of the person using Huckleberry. Well, let's say that it would would enhance Huckleberry for like a, a period of time. It would give it like a temporary buff that would make it to where either a Huckleberry gave Devour um, or a limited version of Devour or Huckleberry it it gave it like an increased damage or an increased rate of fire you know something like it would have to make sense given the weapon yeah because there's always lore there's always lore attached to the weapons and sometimes I love lore but sometimes lore gets in the way <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah. lore gets in the way of good ideas um 
say if you created a war mine cell and you hit it uh, with a mm-hmm. certain exotic, it would change the way the war mine cell functions. Not just like a simple explosion, but it would actually say it would turn into a booster. So, again, if I had Huckleberry and I shot a war mine cell, it would create a burst. <clears throat> and then as it created that burst, it would take an inherent trait of Huckleberry and say it would give everyone. Uh, it would give everyone an increased rate of fire. So everyone within the duration, everyone within the radius mm-hmm. of the war mine cell, as it exploded, space magic would take effect, and they would all have an increased rate of fire. Um, I, yeah. So the first thing I think of when I hear all these, um, all these ideas, the first thing I think of is. The exotic needs to be exotic in its own right. And if I have to like lean on other teammates or lean on contextual dependencies in order for the gun to be at its true its, its true greatest form, then I'd be concerned that it doesn't really feel like an exotic. It feels like a gun that's got like a notch carved out in it for like a crutch. You have to lean it on another player. You have to lean it on a, a war mine cell or something. I don't mind things like war mine cells or devour or abilities or maybe even exotic armor. Like for a warlock to be able to run up to you and do something to you that does something to fire rate or damage or resilience or something. I think that's totally fine. But if you start to create almost like these, these pockets of dependency on all these exotics, I don't know if they would feel exotics. Now I'm not saying that's exactly what you outlined in your idea, but that's the first thing I think of is the exotic needs to be totally top tier stand on its own out of the box. You know, I think they should come with their catalyst so you could at least work on the catalyst as soon as you get it. Um, because I don't like Catalyst feeling like, well, until you get the Catalyst, it's not really as good. Uh, so, I, I would treat these as separate discussions. Exotics on their own need to be amazing. And then in that realm, exotic primaries just need help. There's not a reason to really go to an exotic primary in PvE, which is why I came up with the, the idea of saying endgame content, exotic small arms. And then a separate category with what you're coming up with, which is like synergies or support-driven action, whether it's through an exotic or through an ability or a gun or something. I feel like that's separate, and is it's okay to do that to enhance something, but I wouldn't want exotics to depend upon those things. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I get you. So if you go into that, if you take, like, say, uh, an exotic primary, you know, it's just... You're not going to feel like you're drawing back team or yourself or any kind of your effect to clear the room or anything. You don't have to be like, hey, you know, Tom, get over here and throw your devour grenade on me. Exactly. Exactly. You don't like contextual enhancements are cool, but they need to be their own their own thing. And I think this is why like Lumina and certain things are struggling right now because the player feedback just isn't there. Like I'm hitting you and supporting you, but I don't know if it's actually doing much. And so support roles in Destiny are, I think, going to struggle if there's not more immediate player feedback to how much am I actually helping you? You know, am I am I healing you or supporting you or is it just more of a nuisance to constantly have me like shooting these things at you, these glowy things or whatever? So I um I would treat those as separate issues, which is why I think this buff in endgame content to overcome that delta, I really think people would start to lean on it. Not the whole team, at least one person would really lean on it and say, Man, Grandmasters go a lot smoother if I run 
you know, Huckleberry or, or Suros or Ace of Spades because, man, that buff, it, it makes the ads die so much quicker. And it's really nice in a couple of these rooms, especially because the way that strikes are designed. I don't think the strikes are really designed to have these these insane deltas in these this many negative modifiers. I don't think they're designed for it. It was like when the saber strike was arc burn with um specialist and then the wire rifles from the the vandals on the on the ships could one shot you. The opening of the saber strike was harder than the rest of the strike. Well, it wasn't designed to have that level of pain turned up. And so some of these encounters and some of these environments you'd it'd be really nice to be able to mow down some trash ads, you know, with a buffed exotic. So Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's all I had though. Okay, good thoughts. Thank you. I am gonna go to train if you're here. I'm gonna I'm gonna thank Philbo Laggins for the five dollars through super chat. Currently, the best exotics or legendaries are six to seven out of ten. They just seem amazing because everything else was nerfed to a three out of four out of ten. That's a decent take. That they've really they've really really carved down damage perks and and crit multipliers they've really hurt those guns they may have made those vacancies so that adept weaponry and standout weaponry that we're going to get in in november uh and beyond will feel better that I mean they, they may have been preparing for sunsetting and those things uh way ahead of time so train if you're there you can unmute and go ahead with question or comment or whatever you have you are presently muted. I don't know. Train may have stepped away. We've been doing call-ins for an hour, so he may not be there. I wanted to give him an opportunity uh, to chime in as a VIP. Looking like Train stepped away. So I am going to remute Train. And NA Painter wants a call-in part two. All right. Okay. What do you got? Mr. Painter. The thought familiar. Haha. Uh so uh when when we were having the conversation, I actually realized that all of the raids we've played for a long time, they're not all bosses. So for encounters like say Vault or you know, going through most a, a lot of uh King's Fall, like the sisters encounter, you didn't really need a heavy, you didn't need to do high damage there. You just had to work around it for a while, mm-hmm. especially in something like Totems. Yeah. I'll, I'll let him go. I'll let him go. I think Train just got back. I'm seeing Teddy typing, not Train. Oh, is Train talking right now? I can't hear my Bree muted him. He had you, you server muted. You can, you can continue with your thought, and then I'll go to him after. Painter. Just to finish, Just to finish this thought off so he can go ahead and get in is uh for bosses do you think that at some uh at, at a certain level you uh going against uh dps a dps loadout for using an exotic primary do you think the team losing a sixth of their damage might be worth it or do you think it's mainly for encounters that don't really have bosses but are mainly just mechanics around opening a door or getting past a certain section and not necessarily about yeah. DPS. Well, there's a lot of threads to this that we always need to remember. It's it's hard. It's hard though because somebody was somebody called in earlier, and I said another piece of this equation is really making it was uh, it was uh, it was um, dark dark sider I think who called in making legendary heavies that don't suck. Like if I know I can get out a grenade launcher, machine gun, rocket launcher, 
you know, heavy and it's not garbage, then I'm not killing the team's damage. I'm, I'm not optimum damage, but if I'm able to really manage this pain point of trash ads that are just shoving up our nose because it's delted and they've got swords and man huckleberry really is making a big difference or you know sunshot or graviton is just so good for for crowd control right i'm i'm not hurting the team's damage that much because my rocket launcher grenade launcher machine gun my legendary heavy isn't a piece of trash and i think that's another piece of this equation that really has to be considered that there's a lot of opportunity for machine guns, linear fusions, rockets, and grenade launchers to not be such garbage. Obviously, if everybody runs Xeno, yes, that's optimum DPS. But when I switch off of Xeno to another machine gun, well, for crying out loud, it's a heavy. I should still be able to do a good amount of damage. I shouldn't feel like I'm literally stepping out of the DPS pool because that's what it feels like right now. If you don't run an optimum DPS build, you literally feel like you're not doing dips. Like you look at the numbers, you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this guy ran anarchy, you know, and a and a sniper, and I ran, um, you know, a machine gun or a rocket launcher or a grenade launcher. You can't even keep up if you turn off anarchy and you go to a you know a more traditional grenade launcher. So that's another piece of this that needs. If I I, I guess we got to turn three knobs right. Add that endgame power delta, buff exotic primaries specifically in that environment, and then make legendary heavies that aren't trash. And then you feel that freedom to change up loadout, and you're like, I'm not hurting the team's DPS. You know what I'm saying? Even with grenade, if you look at grenade launchers right now, heavy grenade launchers, probably some of the best DPS grenade launchers you're going to see in the 120 for even the interference right now which is like the best 120 you can get in the game besides wendigo it's it's still like 4000 damage below with the god roll of x the spike grenades and the full court blast radius masterwork and absolutely everything you're still not even close rocket launchers are doing almost no damage the dps is worse than some primary weapons it's just yeah at the at the base of everything when you look at weapons that aren't swords they basically need good perks to be good guns instead of being good guns with good perks. Right, exactly. And this was a problem when all of a sudden machine guns reared their head as being really, really great legendary options. What did we all do? We all ran machine guns or an exotic heavy. And then it became grenade launchers. They nerfed they nerfed machine guns against bosses. And then the next season it was aggressive grenade launchers with spike. And you either ran that or an exotic heavy. Now it's guillotine or an exotic heavy. Like that they've got to round that out. The damage efficiency of legendary heavies needs to be more rounded out. Instead of running to the one legendary heavy that isn't garbage and then being like, oh, well, I'll, if, if I'm not going to run a guillotine, you just run an exotic heavy. And I want to see that change. So. Part two so I can get my thought back in. Yeah, yeah, good thoughts. I'm going to mute you, go to train here in just a second, but I do have to thank Snags for clicking the join button and becoming a Rageless Tier 1. If you guys want to submit questions in YouTube chat or Discord, you need to be at least a Tier 1 YouTube or Patreon. So click the join button or type exclamation point join. You get emotes and perks in the Discord. If you do VIP... It's 15 instead of 5. If you do VIP, you can get early access to Q&A and do call-ins like people are doing now. So, uh, free way to support, though, is just subscribe and the bell button. So, if, at the very least, do that. Train, I'm coming to you 
now that I got you unmuted, you can unmute yourself. And what do you got for me, question-wise? You're still muted, so maybe train stepped away again. (laughs) Train, if you could hear me. If you could hear me, maybe we should have immediately gone to train. Um... While we're waiting, maybe Train will come back and notice that this, it, it is their turn. Maybe they'll hear the stream. They might have muted Discord and they're listening to the stream. Um, while that's going on, I'll just do like the little house case. Oh, he unmuted. Go ahead, Train. Maybe. Maybe. No. Hello. You're not saying anything. Your mic's not lighting up. Um, I'll let you figure it out while I do some housekeeping. If you guys are listening to this in other locations... Uh, you do have two options to become like a VIP or a tier one. Um, now your mic's pr- uh, proccing. Train, are you there? You can go to sntrpresents.com and that'll take you, you to my Patreon. Well? Or you can push the join button on YouTube. I can, can hear you. Hear you. Go, yep, go ahead. Well, no. Yes, can you hear me? No. This is why, this is why we do the sound checks before. Can you hear me, well, no? I can hear you, yes. Just ask your question. <laughs> I'm typing to him. Just ask and I can hear you. <laughs> All can right. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can you hear uh, me? I'm, yeah, I'm talking and it's not picking up on my mic. Yeah. Okay. Here's what we're, we're going to do. Uh, we're about an hour in, so I'm going to just do the outro. If he can figure it out, we can do like an after the episode call in, but I don't want to muddle the end of the queue at the, the call in right now. So we'll try and sort him out, but I don't want this to be on the official recording. So again, if you're listening in the other locations, SNTRpresents.com takes you to my Patreon. You can pick between all the tiers there. If you prefer to do it on YouTube, same exact tiers. The only difference is you get emotes on YouTube. So if you prefer Patreon or YouTube, pick between the tiers of support. And the free way to support is to click subscribe and the bell button on YouTube. So I'm going to keep streaming. Don't go anywhere. But for those of you listening elsewhere, as always, please like, share, and subscribe.